0: I'm over here now. Pardon me, interruption, no need for introduction. It's the drunken monk. Turn this shit up a little, son. I'm bucking, in smoke, sipping McCarty. Till I'm giving my keys to Jimmy for Ferrari. And we out, got to go jump in a mosh pit full of hundreds of hot chicks saying something obnoxious, like, I got to put my foot in your ass permit. When I'm done, I'll cook you in a Brooklyn blast furnace. There's no
1: formalities here There's no formalities No formalities Well, my name is Apache Ramos And I started out as a child And uh, I was born in Brooklyn Episode 109 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast (laughs) I was born in Brooklyn, raised in the Bronx And that's why my blood type is B-positive Oh, (laughs) shit How you doing, Jimmy? Thank you for coming over to my house Here in Orphansville yeah with the
0: Chris with the war chief of the orphans yeah. from the classic movie the warriors come out to play and and many other things because before we press record you uh was very nice of you um your daughter made me a dish with
1: some coleslaw and some wings and ribs and stuff. Very cool. From Marino's Deli. Got to give him a shout-out. They're really, really good. Yeah. And it's too hot to cook, so... Yeah.
0: Old Can't school. Can't say the orphans didn't feed you, baby. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, um, we were supposed to do this a couple hours ago, but New York traffic, you know. <laughs> Two hours to get here from Brooklyn, but it's all right, because... You're here, Papa. Because if I wouldn't go through that, then what would happen? This wouldn't be happening. So yeah. you got to put your work in, no? Yeah, what's a beating after a good time? There
1: you go. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. That was always my motto. I got in a lot of trouble for that. But what's yeah. a beating after a good time? Yeah, well, in the old days, like now, you had the this, this cell phones, and you could. You know, there was a lot of communications. But when I was growing up, all you had was a dime. You make the call. So you, if that phone, even if that phone actually worked, if it worked, it also. So, you either were going to stay with the girl or with the fellas all night. Right. And go home and take a beating or you're going to go home. So, you know, <laughs> what's a beating after a good time? So I, won't go I, I get it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I completely get it.
0: So, now, before before we press record, you hit me off with several stories already. Uh, um, I mean, there was things that I had, obviously, I had no idea. I, I'm familiar with you. Obviously, first and foremost, through the Warriors, Um, you had hit me up. I watched the short 15-minute film, High and Tight. Oh, thank you. I'm very proud of that. Hey, listen, it's awesome, and we'll definitely get into that. You were in several other things, but I didn't know, Well, maybe I knew a little bit, but just not the extent that you were involved in the record business, and you have a history with legendary groups yeah you know uh, how did this all happen? Well it
1: take us back on a journey, Apache all right, well, <laughs> besides I started out as a child, okay, yeah, uh, I guess so as far back as you can well, talk as far back as I can go, okay, so um, like I said, I was raised in the Bronx, and uh, uh, it was a very mixed community, you know mm-hmm. we had Jewish and blacks and Puerto Ricans and we played a lot of ball. My whole life was about playing ball in the schoolyard, junior high school, Lady Two, the Bronx, the Coombs. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, then things started happening and uh, things were changing. It was the Vietnam War, it was civil rights was happening, you know, I'm talking the 60s, you know, and uh, different things were happening which affected me, my family, everybody. And then, uh, Drugs came on the scene. I was over to sports, and then uh, they had the two dollar, three dollar bags of heroin out in the streets, and you know everything changed. And the whole the neighborhood was, was probably the whole, uh, the neighborhood, whole neighborhood was probably yeah, infiltrated. The whole neighborhood changed, and uh, although you know we're probably getting into the story about the blackout, but I, uh, November 9th, nineteen sixty-five was the blackout, the yes. first blackout, and everybody was mad cool. My poor grandmother got stuck in the subway, but the second oh, one was sure. a different story. But anyways. Uh, You know, going through life, I went through a lot of uh, different changes, and uh, I had a really good guardian angel on on my back, and uh, I went to Alfred E. Smith in the Bronx, which was a vocational high school, and uh, I couldn't get into Clinton, because there was too many people. At that time, that was my district, Clinton uh, High School, which was the biggest high school in the United States at the time, was all guys, and... uh, my other neighborhood district school was taft, and it was too crowded, so uh, Jesus. I went with my fellows. we went to Alfred E. Smith, and um, uh, I became, like, the editor of the paper. I was involved in a lot of politics, and, you know, getting involved with the Young Lords, and I'm proud of being Puerto Rican, and the whole movement of who I was was hitting on me, and, and I remember, let me see, uh, marching with the Young Lords, and doing things like that, protesting the war, and things... And I remember, what else I remember? Uh, oh, I had a, uh, a guidance teacher named Ms. Dockery, black guidance teacher at Alfred E. Smith. And, uh, uh, well, before I even get to Ms. Dockery, I had a lot of problems, little issues, uh, taking directions. So okay. if you were smart, they put you in the drafting class, right? Okay. So if they didn't think you were so poor, smart, they put you in the plumbing class. So I got demoted to plumbing. And if I knew what I knew now and knew then, I would have stayed in plumbing and would have had a better life. made <laughs> oh, Maybe more money. But anyways, I had this black guidance teacher that saw something in me, which I didn't see in myself at the time, and she got me involved with the ABC program. What was her name? Do you remember? Uh, Miss Dockery. Miss Dockery. Okay. Okay. Right. Rest in peace, wherever you are. I love you. And she saved my life, basically, because I got involved with the ABC program, and um, they took us... The ABC program is a, pro, a program for minority students. Okay. Uh, and mostly they were cream of the crop students who uh, could do better in a better uh, educational experience and environment. So I was really basically their first high-risk student. So we spent the summer at Dartmouth College. High-risk in what way? High-risk. My grades suck. Okay. Uh, all I had was gym. And all really my whole thing was my poetry and my... Uh, my political, the way I saw the world, that she saw something in me. So when I got to the ABC program, that uh, it was uh, uh, mostly African Americans and Native Americans, which was my first encounter with Native Americans, and it was two Puerto Ricans, me and my man George. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh Is George still around? Yeah. Shout out to, to George. Shout out to George Martinez. He's out there somewhere. He's a Facebook buddy of mine. Okay. And uh thank God for Facebook. I mean that really reunited with so many people. So anyways, we were in there and people weren't too hip you know, Native Americans uh were new to me and I was a Puerto Rican, which you know, was was a thing and, uh a little camaraderie they, there? Well only because my name was Apache, my nickname was Apache. And uh you know, I was an Apache, a Puerto Rican. Right. And, uh, but, you know, we were all kids. We were, like, uh, high school level. You know, we were going into high school. And, uh, I had a, uh, and we were all in this group together. And we were all taking classes. And we all became friends. And I got myself, uh, a, 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 a girlfriend. Uh, she was Chippewa. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty funny. Her name was, uh. What was it? Jewel uh, Espinosa. And uh, she showed me a lot of the Indian ways. In fact, it was we did a Groucho Marx thing. I was trying to be slick, rowing a boat. and was out in the lake. And uh, I couldn't row shit. I was right. a silly kid. She was, she was from uh, South Dakota. She's like, you don't know what you're doing. she'd row me around. So I felt like Groucho Marx, and he does that scene with the lifesaver. Yes. Give me a lifesaver. So from there, I was... Uh, <laughs> I, I was sent to Andover, Massachusetts. Okay. Now I felt totally out of place. How old uh, were you around this point? N- Whatever age you're in high school. No, so you're about sixteen, maybe yeah, sixteen. Right. I was a junior. Okay. And uh, you know, we all lived on a house on Main Street. It was, uh, I think, it was ten. Uh, I think it was nine African-Americans and three Puerto Ricans, Nelson George and one of my best friends in my life, uh, not Nelson George, Nelson George is a writer I met in the future with New Edition, but uh, Nelson Torres uh, and my best friend, uh, Jose Aponte, Cheo, and uh, I was like a new guy, and we all lived on one house on Main Street, and uh, because we were half a block away from, according to the two-point-something-mile limit, so we, we couldn't it was during the busing time too in the Boston areas. It was very intense, and I was out of place because these kids that I was living with were very very smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean they were, they were the crop—ghetto kids or country kids from down mostly. They were from down south, and I was kind of a little hustler from the Bronx, and um, I I I had to fit in. And and when I went to Andover, it was such a beautiful place. Uh, I had a host family, had two host families, but. Uh, you know, when you study biology, you go out in the woods, to study biology. So I, I found out that I really did want to learn. And okay. the teachers were great. Uh, and the people who now, after all these years, I've, I've got... In fact, I went back to my 40th reunion. They actually paid for me to go and see them. But, really? Um, I was pretty much on my own. And uh, I had to survive with these kids because I, I was representing my family. Had this big weight on my shoulder that I felt like I was representing all the Puerto Ricans in uh, New York City in the Bronx, and I had to achieve with these uh, kids because the, you know, Andover, Andover is a, you know, a very uh, smart place. You know, in terms of uh, the the suburbs. So yeah, these kids are rich. And one thing I learned was because uh, I got involved with a lot of projects out there. I helped create a uh, hotline service with the Greater Lawrence area. I became the editor, co-editor of the newspaper. It used to be called, uh, I don't know, I think it was called The Mirage or something like that. And I changed it to The Larry Pigeon. The Larry Pigeon? <laughs> yeah, because the, <laughs> that's the uh, Andover, North Andover in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Uh, the, the newspaper there is called The uh, Lawrence Eagle. So I changed the high school paper to The Larry Pigeon. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Black Panthers to the school to talk. I mean, I was, was I, I really stuck out out there and, uh, but I, I was able to compete and I was able to graduate and, uh, from there, I mean, I learned a lot in Andover. It was really good people, I had a host family and, uh, she was the economics, home economics teacher, so always ate good. <laughs> nice. And, uh, I learned a lot and then came to college time where you apply for colleges and, um, I found this college. I I forgot where I I applied to. Antioch, I applied to Dartmouth. I got into those schools, but there was a school in particular that was brand new. They hadn't even had a graduating class. Only two classes had been in there, and it was called Hampshire College. And what made it attractive to me was that it had a five college program where you could go from. There was five colleges in the Amherst area: Smith, Mount Holyoke, UMass, Amherst, and Hampshire. Okay. I spent a lot of my time at Mount Holyoke and Smith <laughs> <laughs> because they were all girls' schools. Okay. And that's when I, when I got to Hampshire College, that's when I discovered the theater. And before that, I was always writing poetry, and I had this professor. His name was Glad Schrock. And it was wild. It was a wild school. We're talking about 1972. September, we first get there. We had two weeks where we did nothing. when they call it colloquy. Everybody was just dropping acid, man, you know, for two weeks. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the house masters used to say, if you're going to be tripping all night, please tell your neighbor, because I don't want a phone call. I mean, it's just a totally different time. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was heaven, because I was just, wild. I had, I had like, I had like... Uh, I lived in a black animal house. <laughs> well, no, my first year... Black animal uh, house. we had a black animal house, but that came later. <laughs> but the first year, uh, we were in the dorms, and I had a, a roommate named John Lockett. Oh, and also my, my best friend, Jose Ponte, who was in the ABC program with me, also went to Andover. I mean, Hampshire uh, College with me. But uh, where was that? Because I lose my train of thought. Yeah, I just lost it two. Uh, all right, so we're good. Uh,
0: hey, so, no. anyways, um, when I was at Hampshire... You were eating ass and don't, don't, don't you know, don't... Yeah, don't everybody was uh,
1: sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It, right. was, uh, it was 1972, we let the sun shine in, blah, blah, blah. Oof, yeah. So... I wasn't even born. I was born 75. So then, you know, you had to really go to school then. So sure. But it was a very exclusive school, uh... Uh, a lot of rich kids were there. I mean, it, it was really rich. Me, student loans, which I finally paid off about t- two years ago. <laughs> really? Like for real? <laughs> Not, um, kids. I was going to say. Are you maybe, kidding? Maybe me. eight years ago. <laughs> oh <Holy> shit! <laughs> well, if it wasn't for my wife, I probably wouldn't have paid it off. But, oh. Yeah, my wife got me paid off. But uh, so we had to take classes, and uh, at the time, they had a playwriting course. Okay. So that was the only writing course, and I was a pretty good writer at the time, I thought so, and that's what got me always to Andover and ABC. Okay. But uh, we had this professor, Gladden Schrock, his name was Gladden Schrock, and he was a fisherman from Maine, and he had arms like Papa, because he was a fisherman, and uh, <laughs> he put all this wine on the table, and there was a night class, and when we came in, they had, he had all this wine, is feet on the table, and he was like, we'll t- this is the playwriting course, but first, I'm only going to say one lesson that's not going to make any sense to you, but will make sense in the future. Never bang your leading lady. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, heard, I guess that's pretty good advice. And uh, from there, we, you know, he would come down once a month, and uh, we'd talk about writing. But in that month, you had to write. Okay. So, he liked my stuff, and, uh I started writing short um, vignettes and stuff and she said he said uh, well, why don't you why don't you mount it in other words why don't you put it together right and I was like uh, well how do you do it he says, you can do it so I put out audition stuff and nobody came out for my auditions oh, shit. so one guy did that did a thing they really was successful and then uh, because I was kind of a rebel and there was a lot of divisions in those days you know but one thing about, uh, you know, because, like, uh, all the minority students sat in one section, and it was kind of weird for me because I came from a very mixed neighborhood, too. Yeah. And, uh, but the New Yorkers, didn't matter who you were if you was a New Yorker, so then we had our own little clique. You know? Right. <laughs> because New Yorkers are... I love my city,
0: yeah. and uh, I get that. I've had experiences with that when I was in the service in boot camp. you're yeah. in, the, I'm in there with people from all over all the country. The right, yeah. but then like I'm the white dude from from Brooklyn, but there's like one Puerto Rican dude, <laughs> three black dudes. And they hear me talk all of a sudden, like, yeah. yo, where are you from? I'm like, Brooklyn, y'all from the Bronx. Yeah, from yeah. And next thing you
1: know, we all clicked. That's know? exactly what Yeah, happened. it didn't matter. So yeah. then uh, he's, he told me, because to, I had never seen a play uh, live. Uh, my whole thing was television, Twilight Zone. You know, That was my shit. But, Listen, uh, Twilight Zone
0: is still a great show. He had
1: me do an apprenticeship. And he sent me, I was sent to, uh, I got an internship. What do you call it? No, Apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. At the Napa Valley Theater Company in uh, Yountville, California. Okay. So me thinking that I'm going to Hollywood I had all this money, <laughs> and at that time we were in high heel boots in those days and all that stuff. So I spent up the money in a lot of different ways I mm-hmm. shouldn't have, and uh, mm-hmm. figured when I get out there, I'll, you know, I'll hustle. And as I, I got to San Francisco, I go, no, this is not L.A. <laughs> this is not Hollywood. All right. And then I'm at the bus station, and it was uh, they had a tattoo place, Loud Tuttles. Okay. Now I don't know if you know about tats, but you look like you do. I, I have a couple, two, three couple. tattoos. Loud <laughs> Tuttle at that time was in Rolling Stone magazine because he 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 does the rock stars in the San Francisco area. Okay. So I wanted my tat from him, but I don't know if it was from him, but it was in his shop. So I don't know if you ever seen the uh, the cover of Tower of Power uh, uh, first LP Where they have a a guy with a fist because everything was in a fist in those days. Of with a Chicken leg. Oh shit. With lightning bolts around it. Oh and yeah? that's, that's what I wanted Is a tap but then I changed my because <laughs> I used to travel with a Puerto Rican flag on the back of my Levi jacket. That would be awesome if you had so, that. I got this one. Okay. Now it was really bright. Back in 1973, when I got it, yeah. But I forgot about this one. This one, <laughs> this one is—I don't know if you ever seen my autograph, but I got a statue, right? Where it looks like an arrow. It looks like an arrow. So I had met this chick when I graduated from Andover, and I spent the summer in Lawrence, Massachusetts. I was in Lawrence. I was building swimming pools. Every time I hit "Lean On Me" by Bill Withers, all I could think about is digging in that New England thing, trying to square up those pools. Of those uh, pools. But anyway, I met this chick named Lois, and she had a t- she had just came out of jail. She had a tattoo here with a little rose that she made <laughs> from toilet paper. Oh no shit! So she did a needle and thread on your Apache. On Apache, she yep. fucked it up. But you know, we, would, we were we all messed up at the time. Thank God I didn't let her put it in my head. <laughs> but anyways, when I went to, so that's when I got the the Puerto Rican flag when I was at La Tuttle's in San Francisco. Then I had to get on a bus, and we kept going north, north. And I start seeing cows. Oh shit! And <laughs> see we're <you> know, cowboys, <laughs> and we're going north, and we're going north. And uh, I got there almost in the middle of the night. And these hippies met me in this dirt road, and they took me up this hill. Which I found out later was—I'll uh, tell you later what it was—but uh, they took me up this hill, and it was the first time I saw a deer live. No shit. And it scared the shit. Really? Out of me. <laughs> I thought it was a big dog. I swear to <laughs> God, I thought it was a big dog. But anyways, so they t- and I had a—they put me. I was in a shack. It was—it was okay. Okay. They put me in a shack, and uh, I had uh, two two albums, and there was a record player. It was. Uh, Van Morrison, but a marvelous night for a moon day. and then of course. Uh, the other one was Al Green. So they're the only two albums I had, and uh, before I got in the, they, you know, before they let me in there, they told me to be careful. They have rattlesnakes, but usually you don't see them. I'm like, Why did you tell me now? Yeah, like, now, hand. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm all fucked up. So. Uh, <laughs> The next day, I didn't know that all these people were vegetarian hippies. So. But if you
0: if you imagine if you would have saw a rattlesnake, you got oh, scared I off got a Rattlesnake
1: story. I'm sure you have a rattlesnake. Right. All right, I'm that's sorry. Coming. Go ahead. <laughs> is going. So when I get to the theater, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go to Hollywood. I get to this beautiful theater to the winery. Okay. So where I was living was I don't know if you ever seen a bottle of Bandavi wine. They have the label My House. My little shack was behind the label, really, basically. Okay. So it was nothing but grapes. And the grapes are held up by prune props. So when I got to the theater, they gave me a broom. And I got really pissed off because, you know, I, I took it in a different way because they were all white guys and women. And they yeah. gave me a broom and I had this big afro with my high heels and I was totally out of place. <laughs> But before I left, I had spent all my money, so I had to stay. Right. So, and I learned to appreciate and love the stage because I swept it. That was the whole point. Really? And as an apprentice, I got to do everything. Everything. Right. I got to do the lighting. I got to do, and it was six months of, of really a beautiful time. It was kind of magical. It was living with these hippies. It was just so nice. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend at the time came to see me, Laura Sunshine, and uh, made it even better. And um, I met a lot of actors there. And then came to this, we did a lot. We did six plays, beautiful winery theater, the Napa, 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 Napa Valley Theater Company. That was us.
0: Nice. <laughs> and we used to go
1: out in the middle of the night, me and this guy, Mike, he was the technical director. And uh, we would steal the prune props. That held up the leaves. Mm -hmm. And that's how we used to build our sets. So it it was really nice. And then came time uh, where I had to make a choice. Was I going to stay out there or was I going to get my degree, go back? Right. But uh, it was very important to my grandmother that I get my degree. And she was the rock of my life. So I went back to Hampshire College. And then uh, with the knowledge I had gained with being, you know, I put up my uh, posters and people weren't coming out. So here comes the Black Animal House part. You oh, know, sure. We all had... We, this is about my second year. Oh, my first year, I had that roommate, John Lockhart. John Lockett, and he turned me on to Jethro Tull. Our room was split in half. It was Jethro Tull, Ian Anderson, and Santana. Okay. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> I didn't a good time with that, so you learned to share. So then I came back, and uh, nobody was coming out to my place, because a lot of people were... I, I intimidated a lot of people, even though one of the things I get at the signings is that, damn, you're really short. But I never considered myself short, just the way I carried myself. Sure. I so had a lot of people were intimidated. They wouldn't come out to my plays.
0: Well, if you had so, high heel boots on and an yeah, afro, that yeah, put some height yeah, to you.
1: Yeah, and I was a New York kid. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm dealing with these guys. So, but my fellas and my friends that we lived with, and we used to go the Black Animal House... Uh, They said, uh, Well, we'll come out, we'll act in your plays. And I go, Well, you're not actors. And they said, Well, you're not a playwright. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that created Moto Theater. And Moto means joint at the time. Okay. And it was Moto Theater. And um, my plays were pretty successful. And then eventually, one thing about Hampshire College, you had such a rep, my daughter would tell you, This is my daughter, Jazz Ray. Jazz, you can come into the. Yeah, come on. Okay? And to Don't be, be shy. You, What's up, guys? This is Jasmine. <laughs> she's my manager and my everything. And um, Is she your so manager? Really? I do.
2: I help book his stuff. Um, I make sure he gets paid. <laughs> uh,
1: that, that'll help. That helps.
2: Well, my dad's a real sweetheart, so he was signing things for people, like for Free all the time, which, you know, because he just loves people. Um, <laughs> and then what happened is I saw I saw it on eBay. You know, they were selling this mm-hmm. autograph on eBay, so then I thought Yeah, said, that right, kind of
0: ruins things. That
2: has to stop. So, yeah. um, you know, we set up a... a um, a system where people can, you know, write to him if they want something. He can sign it. You know, they send in money absolutely. and you know do it the right way. Um yeah. Just because I know that people are making money off his autograph, and he should be making money off of his Absolutely. Africa.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah. It makes complete
1: sense. So
2: I just look out for him. You know.
1: <laughs> that's 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 good. That's the reason why I'm here in Orphansville because uh Orphansville. My my lease was up. She said, "Dad, your mom come with us." So that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> turn go. the
2: storage room into uh <laughs> their room. Hey,
1: listen. <laughs> whatever works
2: right yeah. so
1: while nice i was time. at hampshire i had a pretty uh good crew uh and one of my bros uh till this day is arthur baker and all arthur right. baker did planet rock and he did all these things but at those times he was just learning his craft and stuff like that and we had the best parties because arthur baker i mean he goes all over the world now but he was living in the house and his wife Tina, Tina B. he did the soundtrack for Beach Street. Wow! And he had Streetwise Records. Okay. So after graduation, uh, well, no, let me see. Before I was doing some plays, and I came to oh, I came to New York, and I wanted to be an actor, and be taken seriously, and nobody took me seriously, and it was hard to be an actor. And I had another girlfriend at the time, uh, whose brother was Treat Williams, the actor. Sure. And, uh, I, I found out recently that she passed away, which really, really sad. Andrea Williams, but rest in, peace, uh, Andrea. Team, rest in peace, Andrea and, uh, treat was really a nice guy. And he turned me on to a, uh, him and his girlfriend at the time, Jamie Sell, They were Broadway. actors. first time I met treat, he was playing Danny Zuko, uh, in Greece on Broadway. Wow. So I was really impressed when Andrea took me to see, this is my brother, man. <laughs> and, uh, so they got me an agent, and I um, uh, said that so auditions, like, but I'm not your typical Puerto Rican actor, which is what they wanted at the time. Because they wanted the
0: stereotypical,
1: the, and yeah, whatever the, that the was accent. at the time, right. And, you know, third generation, uh, my, the Ramoses came here, like, in the 30s and 40s, and my mother and uh, father were born in Harlem Hospital. So I'm what sometimes is referred to as a nueva Rican. Okay. So I remember they sent me for A&R, a and R commercial, and I just couldn't do it. They just wanted me to say the main and all that. I just said, hey, <laughs> So I was a hardhead. So of course I wasn't getting cast anything. Right. And,
0: um, yeah. You you listen. You were going against the grain. You weren't just going to bow down to what people uh, wanted you to do. I had
1: do. a real attitude back in those days, and I was really confused, and I had I was dealing with so many different issues, but I was loving life at the same time. But then. Um, they sent me to this. The, here comes the Warriors. Oh, I never got to the snake. Yeah, totally. rattlesnake. All right, we'll let me get to the, the, the rattlesnake. A the rattlesnake story. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the rattlesnake. Yeah, I forgot about the rattlesnake. <laughs> All right, so that's a good one. <laughs> at this point, you know, I spent from I think it was, uh, I think it was from May to the end of September, in Napa Valley. Beautiful place. Oh yeah, my god, Napa I've never Valley. Been. Oh, the wineries are so nice. But anyways, so uh, I got to tell you, my, my girlfriend at the time, Sunshine, came from Boston. And everything was good with typical hippies, trippies, smoky, <laughs> peace, love, narcotics, blah, blah, blah. And then the snake appeared. Hippie stuff. The, snake, the snake appeared. Pit, uh, right on my porch in the shack. So I was like, holy shit. It was weird because I was having dreams about a snake, too. Uh, sure biting me on my sure, knee. Sure it wasn't the acid. Well, it could have been. <laughs> uh, that was a big record at the time. Uh, the Boogaloo Blues, Johnny Cologne, <laughs> LSD, I don't know. Anyways, so we see the snake and uh, it's pretty big and I've never really seen a real snake like that up front unless it was on National Geographic. Right. So I'm like, leave him the fuck alone. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Right? Yeah. She's like, no, kill it because we're going to have to be worried about it. And I'm like, I don't fucking want yeah. to kill this snake. Yeah. So, they had a little area there where they used to roast shit, uh, if you wanted, and they had bricks. So it took about 10 bricks to kill him. And I <laughs> felt really bad, because once I bricked him, he was, like, twisting. I yeah. was like, oh, man. Yeah. I kept bricking him. <laughs> uh, and it's got the nerve, so it's still flat. Brutal,
2: Brutalness. Terrible.
1: I never forget sunshine for making me kill that thing, because I felt bad for killing it. But then I cut his tail off, so I had his tail for a long time, so that was the snake. He kept the tails like a trophy? Yeah, so let me jump over to uh, going to the Warriors audition. So, of course, I wasn't getting shit. I was doing plays. I I auditioned for, I used to get backstage, you you know, and you read it. So I went to this audition in the Bronx. It was about uh, Attica. So, uh, remember Attica? Sure. I made it famous. Yeah, Al Pacino from... Uh, from the Bronx. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, there you go. Uh, and he got, So... What I was go, that? That was what? Dog do Day Afternoon? Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. One of my favorites that he did. Yeah. And um, so I go to this audition. I, at first, I got some Chinese first. It was on Woody Cress Avenue in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, by Yankee Stadium. And uh, I had, at those days, I to carry a knife. And uh, I got some Chinese food, and I go to the audition. It turns out to be a mosque. So they searched me. Of course, they took my mask, and then they got all over me for having pork fried rice. Oh, shit. Yeah. But the writer was Saladin Shakur and he had this play about Attica, which was the most violent play. I've been in a few plays, but I forgot to tell you about the play I was in in college, which was a big one where I got to work with Martin Luther King's daughter. Really? Yolanda King. Because like I told you, I used to hang out at Smith College a lot because it was all women. (laughs) Yeah. But they had a good theater program and... um, we did a play called The Death of Boogie Woogie. Okay. And I played this guy called Chocolate Chip in yeah. Detroit. And I remember one of his lines was, uh, a dollar and a dime, buy six pretty white horses. And I had a gun. Okay. <laughs> but that was one. I learned a lesson about not working with working with uh, those kind of guns because the gun, gun didn't go off. One of the times I did it, so I had to do that. Oh, my. Uh-huh. But, uh, see, it worked. But yeah So I got to work With Martin Luther King's daughter And I got to meet The whole King family Which came In effect Later in my life when I got to work With them again On another project But rest in peace Olana King Because I found out Like about 10 years ago She had a heart attack So I'm Mm -hmm. sorry But I worked with a A lot of Kids that came From a lot of money In fact We were doing a thing Where I got to do A thing with my grandson and she hooked up an
2: audition. What was it? Oh, it was a uh, it was commercial for Coco you know the movie. Coco? Yeah, and it was uh, a. Hendrix, come here, say your name. This is my son, his grandson, Hendrix.
1: His name is Hendrix after Jimmy, of course.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So I I got this audition for them, and they did a, a commercial because they were. It was about celebrating intergenerational love. Um, and they wanted grandparents with their grandchildren. Okay. Um, unfortunately, they never aired it, but we did um, get a copy of it, so it is like a really cool thing to have. Absolutely. But, um, and they did get the credit for it, which is nice. Uh, and they got paid. So. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. they got paid for it. she uh, made
1: sure it happened.
2: I made sure of that. Um, but yeah, they got to do a little work together. That was his first like, professional gig. Very cool. <laughs> Grandpa had a weird a weird poem oh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> weird. My
1: grandson is so fun to. Grandson yeah, has a lot of weird poems you know, start, Coming from the background that I came from, uh, it's blessed to be sixty-five and to have grandchildren, which I thought would never happen in my life. Right. But uh, where were we? Back to the Warriors, or back to yeah? We were we were at the Warriors. Oh, record business. We got to do the record business. Well you first. were talking.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, you were
1: on the of Violent okay. Play. So. Oh no, I did the Warriors. You were choking chips. Oh yeah! Oh no! Yeah, I did chocolate chip, and uh, uh, it was written by Paul Carter Harrison, who's a famous black playwright, and it was it was great, great. He taught me how to drink Campari. Okay. <laughs> wow. He taught me how to drink Campari. Yeah. Life skill. Yeah. He was a life skill. <laughs> yeah. He was a really good guy. So, anyways, I'm, I'm back in New York. I'm trying to act, not getting no parts, and uh, um, I'm trying to think. Did I do the? Yeah, I did the Warriors before the record business, right? All right, so. I go to this audition, they send me to this audition, and at this point, I've been rejected so many times, I didn't care. I was mostly fiending all the time. And uh, so I wore a Bronx, I wore a black t shirt. I was slim then. I was on the Bronxdale diet. Right. And (laughs) Uh I was slim then, and uh, I had a black t shirt with silver letters and uh, shorts. And uh, my Pumas, I was into Pumas at that time. Well, uh, at that that time, yeah, in New York, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it was Pumas or Shell Top and I had all the blue stained sweat socks to prove it. Of course, but I always wore my Clydes, Walt Frazier, (laughs) and I was just sitting there, and there was so many people. It was like that Eminem thing. My daughter turned me on to Eminem too, with the uh, looked like me being like, but there was a lot of cats there with afros and everybody, you know, yeah. I really didn't care. Was it, this was at uh, the Gulf of Western Building, Paramount. And um, I had a bottle of rum. And I was sitting there. And I don't think... I did have some pictures. Yeah, because Treat loaned me his shirt to wear for one of his pictures. Yeah. So anyways, so I'm sitting there. and it's, um, I'm sipping my rum on the side. And this white guy sits next to me. And he's talking to me for a while. And I give him a taste. And we go back and forth. And we're talking. And he disappears. And I'm still waiting for them to say Apache Ramos. They finally say Apache Ramos. I go in the room. And um, the guy that I was sitting with was the director, Walter Hill. Oh, no shit. So he was like, Apache, you're so real. I'm hiring you on the spot. I've already... uh, Wow, look at that. He said, I already cast Warriors. I wish I'd met you sooner. But I do have this small part of of, uh, Orphan number 2. Uh, would you would you take it? I said, fuck yeah, I'll take it. Hell <laughs> yeah. And uh, me saying yes it changed my life in a lot of ways. Uh, sure. We got to shoot and uh, I remember on the way to going to the shoot uh, uh, the, it was in Brooklyn. I remember it was in Brooklyn. My, the Warrior fans know exactly where everything is. I learned more about the movie from the fans right? than, I only know basically my little part. So uh, I know a lot about the movie too yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I was on the way there A friend of mine was giving me a ride And he was into uh, opium or something, uh, And all kinds of uh, drugs And he stopped off to, be, uh, to pick up something But I didn't know what he was doing and all of a sudden, people start shooting at him and shit. So, oh, okay. I exit stage left.
0: <laughs> yeah, that made it interfere the flow of, so it thinking, the flow should of your So, I was should
1: thinking, should I go home or keep going to the to the gig? So, I went to the gig and I did the, uh, the, the part. I met Paul Greco. Rest in peace, Paul yes. Greco. Yes. Who Greco. is the leader of the orphans. That's right. And he uh, and I hit it off immediately. I mean, we hit it off immediately. And... Uh, Walter would not let us see the warriors. We didn't know what we, they looked like. Okay. So all we had was the script. It was pretty lame. And the orphans, you know, when you read it, we were pretty lame. So, but uh, Greco is also a street kid, and we wanted to, you know, be in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we wanted to be in the movie. So uh, when well, we finally get to see them, they're spraying us and all this. When we finally got to see them, we kind of laughed because they didn't they, they looked ridiculous. Yeah, us, their are yeah. in costumes. You, know, and you guys yeah, are all dingy yeah, and dirty. Yeah, they, they this blonde guy, you know, yeah. the leader. Yeah. And I was like, you know, with <laughs> a flowing hair. The out of here. here you know? I was like, get out of here. But I'm acting. Right. So uh, <laughs> it was pretty tense, I mean, uh, that that the thing, because, you know, they were doing their thing. They were the Warriors and we were the Orphans. And then we had Debbie Van Volkenberg, and she was just absolutely great. And uh, like that actual scene, that when you were shooting
0: the initial scene when when they come into your turf, that was like legit, like tense. What was it? Yeah, like a- it, it was tense.
1: Cause me and my man got pumped up. I mean, we was pumped up. <laughs> uh huh. You know? Fuck these dudes, man? You know? yeah. I want to be in the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You ain't gonna you know you ain't gonna like you know, chop me off so you right. can see it. there's somebody posted one time to crack me up that they took the the orphans in the w- warrior scene and they just had these these pregnant pauses and it was hysterical <laughs> we're all just like staring at each other all right so we did the scene and then we did the other scene and then comes the uh the bomb scene where they blow me up mm-hmm. they blow us all up so um, I'm thinking it's gonna be a little Hollywood bomb thing. I, I'm, you know, so I see the stunt guy, which is also my good friend, which is horrible. I can't remember my name, but he was the leader of the roller skater guys. Uh, oh, what's his name, Jazz? Oh my God, Ooh. the the guy in the roller skates, the short guy, my boy. Uh,
2: oh, uh, Qu- Quarry? No.
1: no. Uh, where's
2: damn! where's the? I don't this? know why that came to mind, Quarry.
1: Yeah. Go to cast. Warriors cast. All right,
2: let's find out. Oh, I know him. This I know we point. know him too. No, it's this all right. Is we're a,
1: off the cuff here. It's yeah, okay. this is Apache. <laughs> Maybe At '65. Okay, <laughs> lucky you got both of that story. <laughs> but he's a great guy. Oh my god, I'm looking for
2: him. Um, Conrad, I did Conrad. Yeah, right. Conrad. you were close. Yeah, yeah. close. close. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Conrad, who's a wonderful guy. I mean, he's really... He's still a sweetheart. Yeah, he works with prisoners, and he's just a great guy. He wrote this book on Taoism. I mean, he's just great. He keeps in touch with me. That's cool. And uh, I saw they padded him up, and he was as short as I am. And they padded him up. I didn't see his scenes as a roller skater. He was just working as a uh, stuntman at that time. Okay. So they had him next to the car. And I'm with Pat Ramos. I'm going to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I got close to the car, too, which, you know, it looks totally different when you see it on, on the movie. Yeah. But, you know, I'm like, in, in there, because I don't know if they're going to cut me out. I want to be in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I want that camera time. So we're waiting and we're doing improv. Ah, going to get you warriors. Blah, blah, blah. I come up with, <laughs> we're going to rain on you warriors. Now, I've What's told a crowbar story. Bar in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't a crowbar. What was it? What, uh, what was it was a crowbar. We're going to get to that. So... I've told this story so many times, but the way I remember it now is that I said, we're going to rain on you, and Walter liked it, and then kept the line in the movie, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. So, when I said it, we're waiting, we're going to rain on you, Warriors, So we're doing this improv, and are waiting for the car to blow up. So, they had some kind of starter on it, and they put some kind of glue on it or something. Right. And we're blah, blah, blah. And when that motherfucker blew, it blew. I mean, it was real, man. Yeah. And, uh, people respond differently to an explosion. I've learned that day. <laughs> you think? Some people freeze. <laughs> some people run. Right. Some people, like me, laugh hysterically and run. So, <laughs> I'm laughing hysterically and running, and, um... Uh, the guy who the prop guy he forgot to take the windshield out. Oh shit! So this glass is raining on people. Blah blah blah. It's like you know, it was a big mess. I mean, the 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 hood of the car blew up and landed on that barbershop on that roof. Oh no shit! So I was shook up. Yeah, everybody was kind of shook up. So then. Uh the technical director, I think he was some guy from the Angels on the West Coast. I don't know how the story goes, but he's like, sorry. And Walter says, hey, <laughs> Let's do it again. So we blew up two more cars. But I'm sure they took the first one because the next two, I'm like, Yeah, we're gonna rain on you Warriors, but I was already Yeah easing on easing on down the road man, right. for that sucker to blow. Oh shit. And then poof, that was it. And uh so it wasn't a it wasn't a crowbar? It was like oh a crowbar what, what was I holding? Oh. I held a contest one time on Facebook. Not a contest, but I was like, What was I holding? Right. Crowbar's always number one. Right. People came up, nobody got the answer. Now during that time okay, we filmed in nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. This was uh, a year after the summer of hell. It was the year after the 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 Son of Sam. Yeah. It was the year of uh of the blackout when my whole neighborhood in the Bronx was wiped out. Um uh it was the year Elvis died too. Yeah <laughs> and wow. uh yeah. so there was a lot of of <coughs> burnt out places. Yeah. A lot of junk in the streets. My daughter jazz has often said to me, Dad, how did you survive, Dad? You know, growing up in the Bronx but it, there was no alternative. Yeah, yeah so you, you just, just survive. What they handed me was a. In the old days, in the toilets, you had. Well, you you know this kind of work. I probably do. So you used to pull the chain. Yeah. And the water was up here. Yeah. And then you had the counterweights. Yeah. They gave me... That was what it was. It was a counterweight. Really? And it was all corroded. It was nasty. I didn't even want to hold it. <laughs> That's
0: why there's like it's all curved at the top. Yeah, you would never think it was a counterweight. Of course. Up from, it a not.
1: Up from a toilet. From a toilet. So nobody... No respect. The orphans. You know? The orphans... Yeah. <laughs> we the Rodney Dangerfield movie game, Right. There you know? go. What's and, your gimmick? And it's good. Yeah. And the Warriors is... Outsiders and orphans. Yeah. Exactly. And the Warriors uh, are the... That's the uh, uh, what's that movie that I always compare it to, where you bring the costumes, jazz. And oh, pe- Rocky Horror. It's Warriors are the Rocky Horror of gang movies, right? But at the time, there were mad protests. Why is this movie out? I mean, I've posted pictures before of people demonstrating. Why you do this movie? And if you look at this movie now, it's it's really lame. I mean, it's like a of, it's a fun silly. So
0: it's it's I watch it now. I mean, I've seen it. I mean, lame in terms of violence. Oh, oh, absolutely.
1: That's what they were saying it's about cheesy. the violence, right? It's cheesy. It's yeah. And, and and only one guy gets shot. Yeah. And uh, uh, my man Fox gets thrown into the subway, uh, which is talked about, which he's talked about thousands mm-hmm. of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Is because him and the director were getting along, and that he wanted out of the film, and that's they killed him off. You know, that's how they did. Oh, really? But in fact, when I did the, the 35th anniversary of WPIX. I'm at uh, Channel Eleven, which I got to meet Sukanya Krishna. Uh, that was so nice. But uh, uh, the guy that they threw in the subway to be Fox, uh, uh, waits uh, met him that day for the first time. That's first time they met him. Really? And. Uh, he was a really cool guy. He was a stunt guy. He also did... Uh, I can't think of his name right now. But he did uh, Raging Bull. And he was the one that was boxing. Oh, with, really? Uh, and stuff like that. Okay. Really cool guy. So, okay, so the war So he was there for like two minutes. They threw him in the tracks and that was it. It was a wrap for him for the day. It was a wrap for the day. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and, uh... And... That was it. I forgot about the Warriors and um, I wasn't invited to the party or nothing. Really? Because I'm an orphan. (laughs) Because you're an orphan. Because you're an orphan. And and,
0: and who knew? I mean, obviously, you don't have the wherewithal to to, to even realize or even care
1: about what the movie would become at all. Unbelievable. Right? I mean, it just seemed to... Nobody cared about it. I mean, it it, it developed its fans.
0: It still has a ridiculous cult following, like... Few years back, were you at the Coney Island
1: thing? Oh yeah, yeah, I was there too. I made a lot of money that I'm day. I'm sure oh, you did. The lines oh, were
0: insane.
1: Jazz. We, jazz said, "Let's go." I couldn't, I couldn't talk no more. Yeah, uh, I'm and they sure. Had that band sick of it all. The, I the oh, music was so loud. I was,
0: loud. In, I was. They're my favorite hardcore band ever. They're like friends of mine. I and was I in the middle of that. So craziness. much
1: love for people. So then, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's fine. My... I, then I, so I forgot about the Warriors, and I did a couple of other things, nothing big. And then um, then what happened? Oh, so I was working at Bloomingdale's. I had a nice union job. Okay. I was with uh, Local 3. I've always been a union man. Okay. Uh, I was at the Store Workers Union. had great benefits. And uh, my friend, Arthur Baker, who I mentioned, my good buddy, Arthur Baker, who I yeah. met, who was... Uh, one of my roommates in college, uh, who who was the Beach Street yeah, and everything, uh, he goes, Apache, you want to get into the record business? I go, sure, why not? So the next thing I know, I, I quit that good job, and I'm picking and packing records in Long Island City. Okay. And I'm boxing them. I'm in the record business. <laughs> now you're in the record business. <laughs> this is the record packing business. boxes. I'm picking and packing. But it's great. Time. A lot of people's careers started that way. Well, this is what came good for me because uh, I got to learn my labels. There you go. Just like sweeping
0: the stage over records. in exactly. that you learn. You
1: guys just... start from the bottom. There you go. And uh, then I became a national salesman for Cardinal Records, and. Um, I was pretty good on the phone. Now I won't even get on the phone, but I was pretty good. I could talk a lot of shit on the phone, and I used to sell eight tracks to. I was so good, I would sell eight tracks to a funeral home in Georgia. Imagine that. Uh, but I mean, right. all the top records. So different, but yeah. all right, cool. But I had, I had a nice bass, and uh, all the labels, you know, they would they would play the music for us first, yeah, and then we would sell them to the record stores. And then I went to Win Records, which was another, uh, I was a salesman there, and that was also in Long Island City. And then Arthur Baker created Streetwise Records, and like a good friend of is, he, he pulled me in there, and I got to work with a great crew, Yvonne, Mix, Turner, and, uh, the late Greg Rouse, uh, uh, I mean, these are people who were, knew about the record business, I'm learning about it, and they took me under their wing, and, uh. Uh, at that time, the independent labels were ruling, were really breaking the acts, and then the big labels would come and take them away. Right. So we had Rockers Revenge, uh, which was Arthur's group, Tina B, and uh, Rockers Revenge. It's sunshine party time. Okay. <laughs> and they're coming out with a movie this year. I shot a scene. I did really? an interview last last summer for an upcoming movie on Rockers Revenge. You're on tour in Europe now. Okay. We had Freeze from England. And, uh, I say that, people don't recognize it, but if I say, A-E-I-O-U, and sometimes yeah. Y, that was the biggest thing. Of day. course. So it was a monster. I, I remember that, so sure. So this is Streetwise Records. And then we had a, a group of Leaping Unknowns from Boston, and Arthur Baker's from Boston, uh, and, uh, they were called New Edition. Wow. Huh. And, uh... Candy Girl came out, and it just exploded. Of course. Because it hit the niche that was lacking. The Jackson 5 was already grown. Yep. It was perfect uh, timing. The Latino kids, the Puerto Rican kids, we had uh, Menudo, yes. <laughs> the Yes. Which was the only that. group back in those days that I had to pay for Radio City for my goddaughter, <laughs> uh, Monique Cigarra and her friends, to go see. Menudo. In fact, I went freeze to her elementary school. Cause we was at Studio Fifty Four. with Studio Fifty Four, right? Uh huh. And they wouldn't let us in. <laughs> they wouldn't let us in because of the way we dressed. Until they realized, because I was going with the group, because I was representing the label. Right. Until they realized Freeze was the act. And okay. They <laughs> let us in. But at that point, Freeze, I got pissed off about it, and we had the limousine. I had a lot of promotional material, and it was Christmas time. And I knew my goddaughter, Monique, uh, was uh, having this Christmas party. Her and my friend, Rashida, Friday, my uh, friend's uh, daughter. And uh, we brought Freeze to the uh, Catholic school. And we just came into the school. The kids went crazy because that's what was so good. Yeah. You know, we got the Puerto Rican Day Parade coming this weekend, right? Right. And I remember that year, it could have been 85. My daughter was born in 85. But the year Freeze was very hot. The whole, it seemed like the whole city was singing A-E-I-A-U. Yeah. And then we had, uh, uh, Eartha Kitt was on the label. Okay. And, uh, we had Where Is My Man, which was, uh, good for the, uh, uh, like the garage and stuff like that. And I got to work with one of my, uh, idols, her. And, uh, I got to do a little touring with her. She was so great. So it was, all oh, this has been great. In fact, my birthday's Christmas Eve. Okay. Double or nothing my whole life. All right. <laughs> So I remember we were really popular Streetwise Records at that time. We were, us, Tommy Boy, Emergency. We were like the hottest uh, independent record labels at the time. And somebody had sent me champagne. And who comes walking in the office on my birthday? Earth the Kid. So I got to drink champagne with Earth the Kid on my birthday. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) And then. I got to work with New Edition, and uh, they was—they just blew up. They oh just my God! I remember. I mean, I was young, but I remember. This. They blew it was everywhere. Up. Oh my God! I got to tour with them, and those kids at the time—they're grown men now. Uh huh. They worked so hard. A couple of them are gone now. Uh, didn't a couple die? No, not new no. New Edition, no. That New
0: Edition, no. Kevin Gill, no, no. No, why? Nobody's I dead well, I thought he
1: was dead no, for some reason. There's nobody dead.
2: Amazingly, Bobby Brown is still alive. Yeah, <laughs> that was that guy still so alive? Uh, <laughs> out of all
1: the people, that guy's alive. And out of all the... You mentioned Bobby. I have nothing but love for Bobby right. Brown. Right. No, Bobby I hear Brown, you. in fact, was uh, absolutely... Bobby and Ralphie were my favorite. I got to hang out with Bobby. His brother, Tommy, is also born on Christmas Eve, and he always traveled with his brother. Right. And through New Edition... Uh, I got to see so many kid bands. They would fly me on. I remember going to Gary, Indiana. Gail Whitlock flew me to Gary, Indiana to see a group. And Gary, Indiana is where the Jackson 5 came from. Right. To see a group so we could sign them because of New Edition's uh, success. Right. And that's most of the Golden Platinum you see over there is New Edition. But uh, it was great working with them. Bobby was was my favorite. I had so much fun. But then, we had, okay, so we had the Dominatrix of that. we had Freeze, we had, uh, oh, this is going by memory. Oh, and then, um, I got, I used to live on uh, 183rd Street, in the Bronx, in the Grand Concourse on the first floor. Okay. And people used to knock on my window to give me demo tapes. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, probably harassing <laughs> you. Oh, my God. I could go nowhere without a demo tapes. Of tape. course not. But I played it off, too. You know, I got a lot of free drinks. Yeah. I got to be... Uh, oh, yeah, you are uh, the life. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I was New York City breakdance judge. Me, African Bambada, Mike G from Sugar Hill, and uh, believe it or not, Moon Zappa. Really? Yeah, at the Old Ritz we for a whole month. So it was a breakdance judge, which she worked at. And it was called what?
2: Webster Hall. Webster so Hall. It became Webster Hall. Yeah,
1: my daughter used to run Webster Hall. She was the one with the list. <laughs> oh, really?
2: <laughs> For a while. And they yeah. just re
1: they,
0: they closed it and they reopened it. They just now. reopened yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I
2: actually um, my husband and I walked by there back in February, it was all boarded up. It was super sad. Weird.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Because
2: I spent so much of my life there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, but now they just reopened, so that's that's good. And
1: I think it yeah. used to be the old Phil Maurice. It might have been before it was the Ritz. Yeah. It's a
2: crazy, haunted, dark, scary building, but, yeah. um, super fun.
1: In those days, <laughs> I had all the dragons, I had the Ritz jacket, I had the new edition tour jacket, I had it ready for the world. Jacket. I mean, I, you know, you had all that stuff, but, uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I got to do a lot of things because of Streetwise Records, and, uh, we had such a great cast. Greg Ford, who was my childhood, uh, buddy, uh, we, we were both great. My real name is Greg, and, uh. We were always in the same class. Greg, he was in. He was also part of that uh, crew. And then, oh, Kathy Jacobson, I got to give her a shout out. And then uh, one day, we're on top of the world. I come to work and the label's folding. Unbelievable, <laughs> unreal. The label's folding. MCA Records got new edition, and I was lucky because. Uh, Where did the Fat Boys? That was at the end of
0: my work business. Okay. This coming. Oh, it's, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry to keep you up to date. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this
1: chronolo- cr- chronologically. Chronologically? Yeah. Easy for you to say. Listen, what? We, yeah, hey, I went, went to Hampshire. I went to Hampshire College, <laughs> and that's my daughter. Every time I say I went to Hampshire, a white person always says, you went to Hampshire?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, I know nothing of Hampshire College, so I'm, just, I'm the so, ignorant guy.
1: All right, so then, uh, all right, so Label Folds, and I had done such a good job, according to the new managers of New Edition. Okay. And I did such a good job with them, they hired me for AMI Productions. And that's where I got to work with Bill Dern, who's still in the business, uh, Rick Smith, who married, it's such a small world, who married one of the Lizzie's. <laughs> From the. Freaking yeah. Warriors. that's crazy. Yeah, they didn't even know each other in terms of that, but <laughs> it turns out that she winds up uh he wound up marrying her. And Yeah, uh, that's a little crazy. And my man uh uh Stephen Michot. And the machats his father managed all the big bands. of I mean so we are, you know that great um uh, forty deuce, uh what's it, fifteen oh one Broadway? Yeah. Well he had a rooftop penthouse office. Yeah. Really? So I got to hang out with uh Oh, my God. What's his name? I uh, probably wasn't. Lenny, oh, really? <laughs> Lenny Cole. really? How Lenny Cohen. I'm sitting here like this talking to really? Lenny Cohen, talking about you want to do something with Ben Bada. He was such a good guy. He gave me tickets to go see him at, um, at the uh, Carnegie Hall in those days. But I got to meet all these great people. And then so AMI Productions, they had uh, Bobby Brown went solo. Yeah. So they took Bobby's yeah. career. That was my account. I was supposed to be with Bobby at all times. And New Edition. And we had Ready for the World. Now, Ready for the World is the only pop record I ever worked. Number one pop record. Oh, Sheila was number one pop. Everybody mm-hmm. thought it was Prince, but it was Ready for the World. It was group out of Flint, Michigan. And so we worked that record. See, the old days we worked records. It wasn't like, I don't know how it is today. But in those days, you had to go to the... Uh, to the radio station mm-hmm. to make sure they played it. So you do that on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then you had to go to the record stores to make sure they were they could sell it if the radio station plays and That's it. And then you had to deal with the billboard reporters. Right. So you had to deal with the billboard reporters, the record stores, mm-hmm. and the uh, now all of that is probably done with a couple yeah. of clicks on your phone. Yeah, you don't need vinyl. I mean, yeah, you no.
0: know. So, but that, like that's a little niche thing it. that's coming back and out now. We used to go but... to all
1: these concerts and. I got an award over there from uh, Jack the Rapper. I don't know if you ever heard of Jack the of Rapper. Of course I've heard of Jack okay. the Rapper. So I got the uh, Kelly Isley Award for... Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah. For... Uh, and then Kelly O. Isley is born on Christmas Day, which was pretty weird. Well, you people at Christmas Eve's, Christmas Day... We're special. Yeah, I guess so. We're <laughs> special. You
2: and the baby Jesus. So then. this was something.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so and we had a group named Sabotage... I got to work with Donnie Adams. Um, the heavy metal band, sabotage. sabotage. Yeah, Sabotage. I remember
0: that yeah. band, because I'm like an old metal head. Yeah, I heard
1: you say that. Yeah. So Sabotage was always in the office. So That's the office funny. was always filled with Sabotage. Or oh, John Wayne from The Babies, which is where I got that poster. The Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Fight number 1 uh, poster. Original. Uh, Cassius Clay. Crazy. Who else did we have? Okay, we had Bobby Brown, New Edition. Oh, um, I forgot. At When I was at Streetwise uh remember i told you to knock on my window i looked on the first floor yeah we were a rough area but uh i was fearless then we had a guy named colonel abrams okay had colonel abrams uh was outstanding his voice was crazy he was known on the underground movement we signed up to streetwise records and uh music is the answer uh, all that became big. If, if you go into uh, house music, yeah. you know you do like this. When you say Colonel, right? And rest in peace, Colonel. Unfortunately, he died like two years ago. But uh, I got to work with Colonel. That was also my counsel. So it to Streetwise. So when Bill, Durham, Rick Smith, and Steve Machat uh, were managing New Edition, they took in, they took me in, and they took Colonel Abrams in. And said so, well, managing kernels who else have we had we had Donnie osmond for a little while wow i have a great Donnie story he was a really cool guy was he yeah he showed his eight by tens i have it somewhere in the house and he, he shows his eight by tens i go oh he goes apache what do you think and i go ah oh, it's good but let me fix it so i think it was 85 the year my daughter was the year crack yeah came out yeah so i put a crack sticker on his forehead <laughs> and i said Donnie, i think this looks better you know, he's a Mormon You know He, yeah. he thought it was hysterical uh-huh. So he goes uh, Let me autograph it for you Apache I still have it somewhere He goes Dear Apache Thanks for last night uh, <laughs> <nah. you> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome <laughs> So funny So yeah So then uh, we, we were living I was living large And you know. My yeah, job was up. to listen to music And to uh, Who's better than you Go at that to time, the gigs right? And you know And Party, party, party. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they folded. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> then they folded out of nowhere. And uh, that's the record business, you know. And yeah. uh, when they say number one with a bullet, they're not playing. I've been in some scary situations. And uh, then, uh, all right, so they fold. So uh, Jazz is already born. Like I told you, my wife was with Sugar Hill. And she had mad computer skills, so she always could find work. Yeah, and um, kept us afloat and then um, I got a call from uh, Charlie Stetler who used to manage the fat boys and I had a reputation in the business he goes would you go out and take them on tour just road manage them which wasn't hard because they, they weren't crazy to deal with they, right. all, everything was all pulled out so for the next 25 days we lived on a bus yeah you said they, they, they didn't even like, drink or do drugs no no, smoked a little weed maybe but yeah. nothing serious and but every morning on the bus we'd listen to like the the Crackadorum a uh, gospel music like uh, the Clark Sisters or something. And then they turned on NWA. Nice. <laughs> That's when fuck the police was out. Yeah. Oh my god, he's the blaster. <laughs> but uh they were really cool. I had so much fun with them and uh, I had good. a body one of the you need two drivers when you when you go on a tour like that with one bus. Right. And uh one of the drivers, uh, he looked like Ric Flair. He was a okay. uh, big dad. He, was, he looked just like Ric Flair. <laughs> and in fact, I used that to get away out of a situation one time. I said, "Look, Ric Flair," and everybody went, "Oh yeah," we got out this. Oh place. no shit! But uh, we would we would <laughs> hang out at night. And the other driver was Doug. Now this is when I say number one with a bullet. This is when I start really not wanting to be in the record business no more because I wanted to be a dad to my daughter because I didn't have one. Right. And I couldn't do both. It just seemed to be difficult and um,
2: I appreciate that
1: so we're doing the fat boys tour oh so we got to Memphis right and I was so exhausted I wanted to go see uh, uh, you know Graceland of course but I was too tired right so that night of the show now part of my job is road manager for the fat boys at the time cool Rocksky had lost 100 pounds at that time so he was hard he wasn't heavy at all. He looked really good. He was taking care of himself. But people didn't recognize him that much. Right. But Buffy, Buffalo, rest in peace, he was still big. He was my size and he was way fatter than I was. I and mean, he was thick. The human beatbox. Yeah. He's such a sweetheart. Rest in peace. Yeah. I am sorry to say rest in peace, but I said about a hundred times. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. But uh, part of my job was to go into locations, go into the venue before the group comes in to make sure everything's okay. So sure. So not put into embarrassments. Yeah. Situation. Right. So I'm online to get into the to the venue, and my driver, Doug, who's a biker, turns around and he says he's been shot. So I look at him and Big Daddy, the bodyguard, is there, and we put Doug into the room and lay he said, Where'd you been shot? He said, In the ass. So I don't know how that bullet missed me, because Doug was in front of me. And uh the bullet missed me, but somebody shot up the bus. Now why are you going to shoot up the fat boys I mean they were about fun you know yeah and it happens sometimes with you know with other groups because your guy's jealous of his girlfriend or something but this is the fat boys so that started getting me thinking but I spent Doug was shot in the butt with a twenty-two, and when we took him to the hospital I just had those new phones cell phones it was like this brick. oh yeah it was like a brick yeah it looked like a loaf of Italian brick <laughs> yes <laughs> it was like a hero brick <laughs> I was like Yeah, yeah, Doug's own game, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he would not stay in the hospital because he was the captain of the bus. Right. So, uh, they gave him soap and some penicillin, and that was the Elvis Presley, uh, we was at Elvis Presley Memorial Hospital, and, uh, that was the cure for bullet wounds. Oh, shit. (laughs) So, uh, we ended up in New Orleans, and, uh, that was my last day in the record business, and, uh. Uh, came back home and used to put my daughter. She's heard the story so many times. But Ray was working, holding it down, and I was playing Mr. Moms. I had enough money from the tour. And, the uh,
2: best Mr. Moms ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I would put her in the bubble bath and put her Rita the Greatest Hits, and that's how she learned to sing. And uh, there you go. She started singing. My daughter's singing the opera for Metropolitan Opera. Really. Yep, years. For, for many years. Wow! Man, yeah, she don't look like an opera singer, right? <laughs> well, I, I don't know what an opera singer would look like, but that's cool that you could sing yeah, like I'm, a song was Talking to uh, Jimmy uh, Ferrari, the heavy metal guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm, I have eclectic music eclectic. taste, Ooh, but big words. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Did you go to Hampshire? No. <laughs> no, my daughter used to always say
2: that you went to Hampshire like the way people say that. The racism is so blatant. Um, it's, it's and a, I'm so used to it. like they, it don't mean, they don't even mean they don't even mean to. She takes
1: it. She takes it's it. It's really so
2: straight. ridiculous. You went to Hampshire. It's like
1: you yeah, went to Andale. Yeah, yeah, I did.
2: Yeah, and he has a degree too. Yeah, go figure.
1: <laughs> so that's what happened. I said, "What am I going to do now?" You know, I, we, we were living at the Doric Apartments in Union City. Uh, we were on top of a cliff. We lived on the 23rd floor. I could see all the ways to Queens. Best apartment, uh, best ever. apartment, front row for the Hudson Day parades. I mean, the Hudson, you know, the Fourth July. July. It was where we lived there, and that's where she was raised. And uh, so, what am I going to do now? And they go, "Fuck, I have a degree." So I'm reading the Amsterdam News, and I went into social services. So I went, I went from limousines and highfalutin living life and yeah. Studio 54 stuff to getting stuck in a project elevator. Full of piss, trying to help somebody with full blown AIDS. Right. So when I got to social services, I uh, was in Apache, and my was Mr. Ramos, and uh, I grew up on public assistance, so I had a different look at it, and I didn't mind doing it because uh, when you work for the city, to pay a shit, but the benefits are great. Yeah. And not until yep. it evens up, but um, yeah, I volunteered for the AIDS movement uh, because. When we was at Streetwise, a lot of our records with Lolita Holloway, I forgot. This list. is probably re- ages... Yeah, it was
0: scary and... It's yeah. scary, yeah. Let me tell you how
1: scary it was.
0: I can only imagine. I just re- I just recently watched... Um, I'm late to the game, but I just recently watched Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. And I remember... I mean, I was 10 in 85. So, I remember it just being the epidemic that it was. It was like the crack era and AIDS. It was just Come crazy. On. Yeah, so, I was 10, and I still remember that like it
1: was yesterday. I wasn't afraid of the virus then, because it was called GRIDS, K-related immune deficiency. I wasn't afraid of it, because through my life in the record business, I'd lost a lot of friends. We was losing people. It was just disappearing. So I wasn't afraid. I knew you had to earn it. You know, you have to earn it. Yeah. So I volunteered for the AIDS unit, and uh, I was working on 30th and 8th Avenue, in Hell's Kitchen was my district. And this is the time that Giuliani and Mickey Mouse were taking over the old... Forty deuce, right, right. <laughs> so I had great compassion, and they used to call me Ramos King of Queens. I had a lot of coworkers who were from other countries, like Nigeria and stuff. That the whole transgender, transsexual madness used to make them feel uneasy. Right. So I would take those clients, and they would call me Ramos King of Queens. And um,
2: before the show, yeah, <laughs> he was the, the, king the king of Queens before the king before the show. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that, I'm more proud of that of my ten years in the AIDS movement than I am of uh, being in the boards so although I don't have so many perks with that but right. those ten years I watched so many people die. Oof. Good people. And I had pre summon case load, I had all kinds of people, rich people. Some people I would make home visits. I could never identify myself because right. I represent I was with the Division of AIDS in New York. So I would always say I was a friend. Well, they would see me and the doorman would point to the uh, to the delivery section. I took it because it wasn't about my feelings. It was about giving this person the best care that I could do. And yeah. it was just... She would sing. I would bring her with me sometimes. But she was singing at the opera at the time. Yeah. yeah. And she would sing to them. She sang for a German prince. Yeah. we he had, he had
2: a German prince. And I just so happened to be uh, doing a German opera at the time. Um And I got to sing for him on his deathbed. He never hid life from me. He showed me what was going on. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's not sugarcoating anything. It's life.
2: No, he he always showed me um, the truth, and he took me on those home visits sometimes to the places that he knew were safe enough. You know, sure. Um, But but I I got to the
1: hotel. You did
2: take me to those those um, those welfare motels. Were really really horrible, but again. You know, it was something I needed to see. It was something sure. I needed to know. Cause I, but it was crazy because I was in this other world. It was like, oh, I'd go to the Metropolitan Opera where it was like the high life. He'd drop me off there, yeah. and then he's making home visits. But the best part of that was. When I got a little older, I could walk by myself on 9th Avenue from 42nd to the Opera. Right. And all the drag queens, all the transgenders, would all look out for me. Right. Ah, oh, Ramos is doing <laughs> it. He's
1: an angel. Yeah. You
2: know. Um, they give me food, hugs, love.
1: Yeah. And um, you know teach walk in heels.
2: Teach me the oh, please. Uh, <laughs> one of the most famous drag queens of all, Jack Dorr Show who was the queen in the that queen cult has classic, a movie. Film. Cult
1: classic film. Classic film. The, the queen. queen. Was... You
2: can see it on YouTube now. That so. has passed
1: away. I can reveal he was my, uh, he, my, he
2: was a client and um he had a fabulous apartment central park, park west
1: and of course the city wanted to take that apartment away because he had been there forever he yeah. was on fifth avenue on the park and my right. job was to keep you know because mickey mouse on my house kitchen was my district so they wanted these people that were dying had these great apartments you know, so I uh, think yeah. they could yeah. take Make the sure rent, rent stabilization rent on it. Budget.
2: But uh, yeah, so he, uh, my father saved his apartment and uh, saved his life. He, he, uh, in order to be on my dad's program, you had to have full blown AIDS and two opportunistic diseases. So you were basically on death's door. Um, Jack wow. show ended up living until just. Two years ago, I believe, I think it was, yeah. but um, he would drop. My dad would let me hang out with him, and um, he taught me how to put on makeup. He taught me how to wear heels. He taught me how to do wigs. He taught <laughs> really? me so many amazing things. Um, but my dad loved to show me real life, and uh, I, I as, as proud as I am of him with the Warriors and everything, his work um, with the Division of Aid Services was I- incredible. I mean. Yeah. I, I don't think I could do it. Um
1: Yeah, it's gotta be a certain time. I was type of drinking person. so much in those days because my office was on thirtieth and eighth, the Blonnie stone was right next door. The She's Blondie a blonde Stone Stern baby.
2: I am. You're a <laughs> so
1: It's still there. Yeah, it right
2: is, but right. it's totally. I mean, of we went and totally had it. a we went and had a drink there not too long ago when he applied for his it. social security <laughs> or whatever it was. But um, I couldn't
1: find it, and so, I was there. like, that,
2: it's still." But they kept the sign at least. Yeah, they, yeah. The they
1: made sign. it into a sports bar. But it yeah. used to be an old, full of smoke. It was a working man's bar, mm-hmm. and uh, the people that worked in the post office, social services, and the railroads mostly hung out there. So I could play my numbers there I could gamble I could borrow money uh-huh. I used to cash my check She learned a good lesson there
2: I learned many lessons <laughs> Many New York City she girl lessons
1: She was like opera for, for, for the Italians For the Italians for the mob guys. For before. the guineas in there. Yeah, and they nice. would give me
2: money because they thought it was a she good... She would make them
1: cry and I, yeah. give them money. And was.
2: they gave me money because they thought giving a uh, child money was good luck and they were all gambling back there. So right. I thought they were like 50 bucks which was like a million dollars for a kid, you of know? Of course. And then my dad would take me to Jack's 99 cents store... Uh, and go to the toy section, I could just get whatever I wanted. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, don't tell mommy. like, okay, so mommy. when mom asked, where were we? At the library. That's right, baby. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> so uh, for 10 years, I was on the front line of the AIDS movement, and uh, I about 300 people died in those 10 years. That I remember. Jesus and Christ. Even yeah. if somebody was a pain in the ass, they were still a person, you know? Sure. And I had 48 hours to visit them. And I remember in about uh, 1994, I think around that time was when they first started diagnosing women with HIV and AIDS. And I got my first uh, uh, penny woman client. And um, I had to keep journals in those days. I still have them because it really affected me. But this particular woman, she was a bodybuilder. So you know she loved her body. Sure. But she caught the virus because her husband on the down low was an IV drug user. So when I made that home visit, she was in very bad shape. She thought I was there to clean her fish tank that nobody could clean. You just would have to throw the whole thing out. And I got very close with her and I was with her when she passed away. But it was it was heart-wrenching for me. It was really, really hard. But somebody had to do it, you know. Yeah. So when I was recently talking to somebody and, you know, I didn't serve in the war. I was anti-Vietnam War. I, I burnt my draft card the whole bit. But, uh... I was on the war of poverty, and I, I feel like I did my time too. So I remember those. So then, after ten years, one of my old supervisors, you know, I'm working for the city now. You know, um, i got a great job, and as a caseworker for the Division of Aid Services. So finally, I, take, I took the supervisor test, but it took like four years for my name to come up. And I was on the bottom of the list. Cause well, that's what I'm happens like,
2: when you're Ramos. I, I have a, I have a yeah. concentration
1: problem. I'm smart, but sometimes I just don't do well in tests. I've never done well. So I was on the bottom of the list. So I get called, and who else is it's Mr. Ash there, who worked me? He knows the way I work. He says, You're going to Fair Hearing. I go, No, I want to stay with AIDS. You know, I'm committed to the AIDS movement. He goes, you want to pay for that private school you're sending your daughter to? I go, yeah. He says, you want over tonight? Yeah, you're coming to fair hearing. So I went from now. Fair hearing is I'm a caseworker, and the clients are glad to see me. Because they're dying of AIDS, and I'm helping them with their Medicaid, their food stamps, and paying their rent, making home visits. And those days they would put the homeless people in these hotels. They were horrible. I'm sure they were horrible. You open the door, and you fall in the bed one bathroom for the whole floor
2: and smells so oh okay and people oh. are
1: dying and diarrhea It's just horrible and uh, You know, so that's what I did and I would have to make sure that they were alive that they were okay So what I would do because they were all on a methadone program So I would leave the house like five in the morning before they left for the methadone program and check them off Make sure they was alright, but then I went from that to fair hearing now fair hearing it's like being, uh, being a being. I was a supervisor then. Fair a supervisor is like being a parking attendant. Everybody hates you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because. Oh, well, you're like a meet a maid. Uh, I
0: don't know how okay, those people God. do that.
2: You know. <laughs> that's one of my favorite shows. Parking wars. Oh, I love oh, that. Show.
1: Love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
2: Any show that's like people drama. <laughs> uh, so so nice.
1: I go from that. So I'm working on 30th and 8th Avenue. I get the promotion. I wind up in the South Bronx on 38th Street, 3rd Avenue, at the uh, Ryder Job Center, and as i told it that now, the Welfare Reform Act of 1996, by Clinton, passes that you have to work for your benefits, or you have to be engaged in some right. school activity, or you have to do something for your benefits. Right. My job was to enforce that. So if you didn't comply, you had a conciliation. You saw somebody first. They gave you another check. If you didn't comply you. You saw me before you saw the judge, and if I couldn't resolve, you we went to the judge. So I'm dealing with people's lives, if so their cases are going to be closed or they're gonna be sanctioned for 120 days. So I did that for another until I retired. Yeah. Until I retired. Yeah. But I was they used to call him Mr. Ramos, and this again, this is where the Warriors comes in again. Okay. Because uh, around this time, the Warriors have gotten popular again. You know, really big. Crazy.
2: Good. Uh, and, it is uh, crazy.
1: The many free drinks
2: I've gotten because my dad's in the Warriors.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Hey, listen. I'm
2: like, yeah, I'm Apache's daughter. I'm like, see, <laughs> <laughs> you see that?
1: You see that? Yeah, uh, that's his signature. Very cool. I had to she made me sign a whole bunch of things oh one time. She's I, always giving me stuff to sign. I'm
2: like, just sign the. I just needed sizes, you know, and yeah. I had them, I had my guy tattoo it on me because I was like, I'm a tribute when he's alive, not when he's gone, Yeah, you know? really.
1: he did know, but people shoes. always
2: go, you're bad. I say, yeah, and then they look at my face and they look at the poster and they go, oh yeah, you're yeah. a patty's daughter, yeah, I, have, I have the big hair too, you know, right. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, what was I
2: uh, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I, I okay, so you, 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 reti- oh, you, you retired. You retired. Oh no! So yeah, I went from the oh the warrior thing. Yeah, so back there to was the Warriors. A, yeah, so there was a methadone clinic right when you get off the subway on the number four to five on 138th Street. So the methadone clinic is not far. So I became very popular in the neighborhood because I'm from that area, and also they the Warriors, the video game came out. Right. Every really, It was much more popular. So I would come up the subway steps and I'd speak English, a little Spanish, and Methodonian. <laughs> nice. Methodonian is a language all to itself. Yeah, I'm sure. So they would say, they would say, Apache, that's the guy from the Warriors. I would hear that shit every day and I'd be mm. like, shut up, give me a cigarette, bro. Yeah. I, oh, They would go, Mr. Ramos, Mr. Ramos, my case is closed. And I would be, I haven't even gotten to the office, bro. Yeah. I get a cup of coffee, but those are my people. Right. So even though I... The toughest job ever. I made it in a way I, I was pro client because I grew up on public decision. So I was pro client. So, any way I can get the client over, I will get the client over. Because what they were doing to them was too much with this welfare reform, right? You got people with a lot of mental health problems. There's people that <laughs> yeah. cannot work. Right. I mean, you could say, hey, you should get a job, but there's people that cannot work. And yeah. Does there's, there's, there's this can't work. There's, there's all kinds of reasons why. So they would punish them if they missed an appointment Because they had to do two things They had to do education And they had to do the thing But some of the people were starting to die Like there were people that work in the parks That would die It was just crazy Wow So And then I was a union delegate And uh, I always represented i a union man And then I recently retired and, uh, and then in between then I was doing the other things The vampire Right And the uh, High and tight High and tight tight I'm very happy with High and Tight. Now, Jazz can tell you how I got High and Tight because she got it for me. Jazz, where are you? She's taking care of something.
0: Oh, there. she's taking care know. of something.
1: Yeah, but I saw that and I was
0: like, I was Daddy. Like, Yeah. Tell me about High and Tight when I take a whiz. Okay. Yeah, there, there
2: you go. Uh, I've
0: been. Because yeah, I, saw, I saw, I watched it. I watched it the other
2: night.
1: I didn't know about it. Yeah. And, and then See, I, I haven't been auditioning or nothing like that. I was pretty happy, but then one day she turned me onto Facebook.
2: Yeah, so, Uh well, I had to, I had to. The
1: floor is yours.
2: I had to turn him on to Facebook, and the reason why was because I was getting, um, this was when Messenger just came out, and I was getting tons of messages from his old girlfriends, from people in the music business, from... You know, like everybody asked me about my father. You know, um, how's is your father's? You know, still with us? I heard that he had passed away. There was a rumor going around on the internet that he had passed away. Right. Um, In fact, I actually who starts
0: these things? I don't know, but in fact,
2: I had to actually go after the Screen Actors Guild and get his residuals because they weren't paying him residuals because they thought he was dead, and they had him listed as dead. So, I got him 25 years of residuals in one check because I proved that he was alive, very much alive. And I said, my father's alive and uh, Paramount owes him some money. Wow. Um, So, he got a nice big fat check and that's when I became his manager. (laughs) Because I realized... You earned it there. Well, yeah, because, um, you know, I realized that he wasn't getting his due. So, I got that for him and then he's like, well, you're my manager now. Lola, leave him alone. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) Um... And uh yeah, so then High and Tight, um this young director who had won at the Sundance Film Festival, his name is Luis Severino, I believe. Um he's a sweetheart. He uh, approached me with this idea for this movie. I read the script and I thought it would be perfect for my dad. It's a really short film. I know you know it's like it. fifteen minutes. It's like fifteen minutes, but it's so good that they but It's tense, it's, it's very it's tense. Intense. Um but I told my dad, I said, you know, you can do this. Like this this is what you need to do because he was doing all these, like, vampikers and, like, you know, these, like, funny kind of movies. But my dad has a lot of depth to him. Right. Um, and he's the happiest guy on the planet, but he knows pain. And I knew that he could bring that um, to the movie. And when I read the script, I thought, this is perfect, Dad. you got to do this. So yeah. I made a really great deal with the guy. And I said, listen, I know you're a young director. You don't have any money. So I get it, um, but you know, make me a reel for my dad. So that way, at the end, you know, he'll have something to show his work. Um, right. And then it turns out to be this great thing, and he wins this award. Um, it wasn't, dad, wasn't
0: there, like, I saw, like, the, it was like, uh, I, I glanced over, and they were saying, like, they were looking. His. Oh, that.
2: Yeah, he wins this <laughs> award, you can barely see it. it. I mean, like, I don't know why they printed it like this, but um, he won best supporting actor at the can- Canadian Film Festival. I'm Hot
1: in Canada.
2: It's on Amazon. What did you say you're hot in
0: Canada. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: right. um, so it ended up being really good, and they're and they're talking about making it into a future film. I saw that post also that they were yeah. looking to make it a full movie. Yeah, I mean, they're they're as always with filmmakers, they're trying to get financing, but yes. um, I think they will because it is a really good concept, and people want to know more about the story. Like you, yeah, you, you see def- it and you want more.
0: You can definitely. You title. liked it? I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I watched it like 3 o'clock in the morning, like, just, like <laughs> a few
2: nights ago. It's literally one of my favorite films that he's done yeah. um, because it really shows his range as an actor. Yeah, um, because, like, yeah I was supposed and, to know, cry at the end. He's not a crier. My father's not a crier. Right. <laughs> he's right. not a crier. So
0: I, did, I came not up uh, uh, But, uh, they, okay. but you, were, you were freaking out. Yeah. Towards the
2: end. And they use my son's photos. Yeah, um, you look on
0: the mirror. And now I got to relook because I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. So now they used gotta... his
2: photos to be like his son as a kid. And they have yeah. one
1: of my photos when I'm naked that somebody took of me, but they don't show the naked part, but it's my face. I remember when that photo, they have it in there. <laughs> oh <my.
2: laughs> they really did a really, they really did a good job. And yeah, So that, that, I mean, that
0: would be great if it, it became a full film.
2: Yeah. 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 I definitely want him to do more stuff. We got to get him back out there. Um, yeah, got that, uh, that was the, the
1: thing with Facebook, though. The reason why I told him to mention Facebook because I had left it when I left the record business, I didn't want nothing to do with it. I left it pretty bitter. And uh, because you know, we, when, you're only as good as your last hit, and you have sure. to grow up, you know. And, and uh, I didn't like it. I was here and there, I was here and there. I needed something steady, I needed a dental plan. Right, <laughs> which
2: I appreciate so I have straight to you. <laughs> thank I mean, you city braces I, mean, well, I was
1: reading the Amsterdam news and I said oh my god I have a degree and they, at that time they waived the residency law that you didn't have to live in New York City but that's because a lot of people didn't want to work in the AIDS unit right. and, and I used to see how people would treat, we were on the, I think the 7th floor and on 30th and 8th Avenue and other people in the building, if you press the seventh floor, people would just, I would see how people just. Yeah. you know, yeah. and these are my co-workers too, that didn't that work directly with me, but because they had that stigma Sure And nobody wanted to touch A person yeah. with AIDS And
2: he told me You can hug them You can give them a hug It's okay Yeah But he well, was give, very give, careful People were ignorant
0: back then People didn't know yeah. anything
2: He said You know Give them a hug You can even give them A kiss on the cheek It's fine Like don't worry Like, But he was very careful with me Because there was also Tuberculosis And stuff like that So you know If I ever had a paper cut Or anything Everything had to be covered When I went into his office. It was a shame
1: Because a lot of my uh, clients Who get beat up over the weekend Because they be hustling and a lot of them weren't really women so I remember one day I was I have this thing about time not now that I'm retired, but about being late.
2: <laughs> yeah. He'd have us two hours early everywhere. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't like being late.
2: Office would be... I was late be... today, but
0: that was out of my control.
2: Yeah, but this... You yeah. Can't he's like, "Yeah, hey, take your time. I'm
0: like, I have no choice. Yeah, no,
2: there's <laughs> nothing you can do. Right. Um, But he, he'll, like, show up at offices they haven't even opened yet. Like, right. it's like, what is happening? This is my life. Well, he's got time
1: on his hands. So I was always, always, <laughs> always, always the first one at work. So I could have my coffee and my bagel, blah, 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 yeah. or my... Hand, egg, and cheese. You work You work. your way into the
0: day. I get it. I don't like being rushed into my day either. So
1: the elevators were open up. And I was sitting at my desk. So I opened my coffee. I smelled shit. I said, oh shit, did I have a stroke? I'm touching my ass. And <laughs> I'm looking around. Did I have a stroke? I'm touching my ass, he says. Yeah, no, oh, no. I'm touching, and looking because <laughs> I smell shit. Yeah. And then I look around, and one of the clients was so sick they never left the building. And they were laying in their shit and their vomit. Oh, just laying there. Oh my God. You know, people were very, very ill. So, you know, uh, you know, I call, they you know, they take the person away, blah, 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 blah. the shit is still there. Yeah. So the other co-workers are coming, the smell is there. So I go to the back, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm laughing, right? Because people, <laughs> the elevator door opens, and people come in, and blah, 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 blah.
2: The fuck is that? <laughs>
1: everybody here, I would laugh too. I would crack it up. So my man Cruz, you remember Cruz? Yeah, I do. He was the maintenance guy in that building on thirtieth and eighth Avenue. And they called Cruz. Cruz. Cruz, you gotta get this shit. He goes, What floor is it? Uh I think it would have eight, seven floor.
2: Seven.
1: That's eight shit. I'm not touching to that shit. Yeah. So that's how it fair. So they we have to wait there like most of the day until so they brought somebody in a spacesuit to come pick up that shit. What? That's the fear. Yeah. And then I would go to the bar, the store, suit. and yes. some of my clients would hustle some of these guys, and I can't say nothing because of confidentiality. Yeah. And I'm just looking at them, and they got a wedding band on. And there with Ms. Ross, I'll just make a name up, Ross, who they just called me and said, Apache, she signed herself, no, Ramos, they signed herself out of, out of Bellevue. She wants oh, yeah. car fresh. She's on her way to the office. You know, they used to warn me because of the TV and stuff. I had to shave my mustache because it's a hook and all that. So I would watch them hustle. <laughs> and then on Mondays, <coughs> I would see them sometimes all beat up because somebody found out there was a guy or something. Fuck. Yeah. So. Ah. So that was my life. But fair was worse because I, I had decisions on people's lives and, you know, you got to keep your job too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's but a, being a, a, I was known for the Warriors, it helped me out a lot. Yeah. You know, they would say, Mr. Ray, we were, I want Mr. Ramos. But he had his pictures
2: the, up in the in the pizzerias and stuff. I'll they had his pictures. You know, he had a lot of respect
1: in the In the, in in the, the, neighborhood. In the barbershop, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I had that language, Macedonian. You know, yeah. uh, ex dolphine so I I knew where they were talking about, yeah. you know, and I knew who could really work and who could not work and who was bullshitting and who was dumb. Right. Then you get the threats. Like I have had my computer picked up and thrown by women. <laughs> Never a guy. It's always been women. I've <laughs> had I mean, guys. And, uh, I, I and it was so hostile. Like she would visit me at the AIDS uh, place. It were so crazy. sweet. Right. Yeah. But when she visited me In the South Bronx Oh it was horrible
2: I, I only did that A few times
1: Because yes.
2: this, The vibe there Was I would so say tough. I would say
1: Good morning And I would say well, fuck you mean You'd <laughs> be like that you be no, like that really, You'd like, jump? You know? Oh my god So But yeah. I I have the gift of gab As you can tell uh-huh. And I can make people laugh And so That was always Because I was never A good fighter I tried it It wasn't good but I can make you laugh So that's why I was never bullied I was with the bullies <laughs> Alright I gotcha So what's up with This Orchard Beach Oh yeah Before I talk about Orchard Beach I must t- talk about Van Bikers Let's talk about Van Bikers Van Bikers I must talk about Because through Facebook Because I haven't Auditioned for anything no. The last couple of years, they come to him. They call me because of awesome. Facebook. Thanks to her, right? Yeah, she's I didn't you were in, in the bathroom. She's I don't telling know how many people she's you know, said check yeah. all this. Oh yeah, yeah. I got okay. it. This girl's keeping you afloat. That's why she's going to manage it. And uh,
2: <laughs> I yeah. have to credit though David Guti also, who's not here we're gonna today, because Guti he's like my co-manager right now. Because ever since I had my second child and I started my own business, I've needed some help because this guy's famous. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: so and yeah, mad lazy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's like, I don't want to talk to. Like, he's very social, but he don't want to talk to nobody. <laughs> right. I'm
0: waiting. I'm waiting. I'll sit here and talk all day long on this thing, but, like, get me on the phone,
1: I ain't having it.
2: And I'm not having it. So, uh, so, so I
1: got to talk about Van yeah. Bikers, Eric Rivas. So, because of Facebook's, uh, my bro, Eric Spade Rivas, I call him Ringmaster, he did a thing called uh, Lost in Coney Island. Okay. Which is a very, very independent film based on the Warriors. Okay. And he's based out of Coney Island. So I saw, he sent me clips of it because we got to be friends on Facebook. So I went to meet them, uh, the cast of uh, Lost in Coney Island and got an instant family there. Uh, They, uh, he really did some good work and then he came up with this vibe Vampires concept Which is Vampires Against uh, New York City bikers Okay So I was working With real bikers You know The Metal Militia The Filthy Mad Dogs uh, From Brooklyn All these biker gangs are I can't think of them all Right now Okay But uh, I got A good friend Rebel Who does some Nice graffiti work I'll show you He did some Picture of me He's my boy I call him The Renaissance Man And uh Not Tommy Rebel no, his uh, okay. Ronnie Rebel. Okay, and uh, he was with uh, so with the Filthy Mad Dogs and somebody else. So, anyways, I got to work with these gangs, and I didn't know how much respect. I- they gave me like a tremendous respect because I Ridiculous. was a warrior, and uh, I was like, "Wow, you know, they treat me." And biker guys, they're, you know, I don't care what you say about biker guys, but they are so neat. Their clubhouses are wonderful. I'm sure. Their clubhouses I'm are so nice, so nice. Immaculate. yeah, immaculate. Oh, and British they're man. very, very
2: cool. They're uh, very cool. Hey, they treated my, and, my father like like a king. They gave uh, him a thr- an actual throne. Like, it was like a medieval throne chair They're like This is your father's chair wow, nice. but, uh, nice. So we got to do
1: this And I got to play a character And I got to act again And it got me out there acting again So that was fun And then the Bikers Turned into the Bikers trilogy uh, And it's now on Amazon Prime Okay And uh, it's got a hell of a cast When I first thought It was just Yeah But yeah. now it's got uh, Lilo Brancato From of Bronx course. Tale Yeah they got uh, Michael Musto from The Village Voice. He plays Hedda Hopper. I play Lieutenant Snow, who does, just wants to retire. I play who I am, basically. just want to retire. I get out of yeah, here. Fuck the vampires. I don't believe in them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're killing all the homeless people. But it has my my good friend Screaming Rachel out of Chicago, who owns uh, Track Records. Who I guess is doing a soundtrack. and So I have to give them a lot of credit for getting, getting me out there. And I love Eric previous and that whole crew. And then what else did I do?
2: And then oh, Orchard Beach came out. And now we're doing that premiere on Saturday. Saturday. That's the second one, though. With
1: my filmmaking son.
2: Well, T- I better mention... T-S- I
1: better mention Luis Marino. Oh, he will text me to death. <laughs> Luis Marino. I'm also involved in another project called the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the
2: Mafia something. Yeah,
1: the mob. Uh, the, the mob.
2: I think it's called no, the it's
1: mob. No, it's not called the mob. Something. It's called the... Uh, oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Uh, dysfunctional mom Okay <laughs> Now working with this director Luis Marino He will feed you And you will have a good time with him But uh, What do I want to say about Luis Marino He will talk you to death No but there was something else I to say. He will talk you to death Oh You cannot curse on his set So okay. You can't curse We're doing this mom movie here. Yeah No cursing allowed So I have a to a mob movie with no yeah, cursing that's right. okay. That doesn't make
2: any sense <laughs> No yeah.
1: No cursing. He doesn't believe really in cursing. He will feed you. I had a really good time with that. So, uh, currently, uh, all right, so they're, they're filming that. I did a few parts in that. And then Orchard, Orchard Beach. Beach.
2: And uh, Orchard Beach is doing its second premiere at the Alamo My filmmaking Drownhouse. son, his
1: name is T.S. He's yep. the director. And yep. Shadow, who was in John John Wicker, John Wick. Of- John Wick? Yeah, he was in John Wick. Okay. He's a gentle giant. He's like 6'10" big brother, and he okay. cast me, he got me to cast me in this film, and the director, his name is Paul, P-A-U-G-H, P-A-U-G-H, Shadow, we just call him Shadow, okay. which I met through the event, Bikers, he was in that film also, and then T.S., he cast, they cast me in this, they did really, it's really professional, paid and everything, yeah. and, um, at, I had a lot of fun with
2: it, so... And he's got some really big uh, producers coming to this um, Yes, I hope it's
1: this good. screening. So, so, we'll see. So, cool. I play...
2: Uh, Hopefully it gets distributed. I you. play Bronx Very Borough exciting. President. Oh, and he steals the entire movie, which T.S., well, the director, say. will tell you. That's he didn't write say. the movie to be a comedy, but it became a comedy. Because nice. my father... <laughs> you played the a Bronx
1: Borough President? Bronx
2: Borough President to the next level. <laughs> wow. Well,
1: it's, um, it's really loosely based hysterical. on draws. don't go in the water so I'm telling people don't go in the water but I, I overdo it and okay. gave me a lot of room well, to do what I want Okay. so it's turned into a comedy and uh, he says I'm hysterical so it's, it's,
2: no you uh, are hysterical you cannot nice. stop laughing because he says I'm the president like 30 times <laughs> a scene he's like listen I'm in charge he's I'm the, the president <laughs> And um the director actually knows the Bronx Borough President. So he's uh he laughed at the movie too because he he said you played him really good. Oh, yeah.
1: Awesome. <laughs> I'm wearing a guayabana instead of a suit and he just you know I actually I was studying to be the Bronx Borough President, but actually I was supposed to be the mayor. Right. So right, when right. we got on set, he goes, No, T goes, You're the mayor. I go, Oh, no, I studied the Bronx Borough President. He goes, oh, fuck, fuck it, do it. <laughs>
2: Okay. <laughs> you got you got to love ho- Hood Hollywood, right? Hood
1: Hollywood. Hood Hollywood. Well, right? I made this saying up, and I know somebody's going to steal it from me. And I, say, I used to say that with Vampikers, we're not Hollywood, we're Hollywood. There you go. That's it. <laughs> and I know somebody's going to trademark it and steal it from me. But, uh, yeah, I came up with that. And uh, that's about it, bro. I, I mean, what else? Oh. And I made 65. You know how hard it is. Well, Congratulations, yo, a Puerto man! A guy from the Bronx, hardcore, Yeah. made it to 65. Good for you, man. <laughs> Listen. And then we're watching Blackish.
2: And then- they have a whole episode about yeah. uh, a father who's played by Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> and how he made it to 65. Right. <laughs> He's like, "There's no black man ever that made it to 65." I had a
1: cop when I was, I was, I think I was 15, and he grabbed me. On the rooftop, because I used to hang out on the rooftops a lot. It was one of my first poems. I know stars laugh at rooftops because they can't get as high. But he said, I'll never make it to 18. Huh. He was that right, guy's probably dead right. now. Yeah. Yeah, right?
2: Just <laughs> saying. <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: crazy times. So, yeah. I lived in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm 90s, sure. 90s, yeah. 200s, yeah, 210. That was, that was now. 2019. And I'm still standing Yeah Yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. But let's say something About Danny O'Connor I gotta say Absolutely. something Absolutely Shout Daniel out to O'Connor. Danny boy. Gotta say something About Danny O'Connor I met him on Facebook And he's one of the Truest Nicest brothers Honest mm-hmm. brothers I've ever yep. met Yep Super And cool not cool because guy. He flew me out To Tulsa To see uh, The Outsiders House Museum The Outsiders
0: House amazing Museum Amazing things out there
2: Not because just, He gave you Your own marquee That said Apache Rango Oh my nose. god
1: did you see that? Uh, I'm sure I have. The marquee goes, the Warriors, Apache, the no, Apache, special guest. I was like, he goes, wait till you see this, The whole
2: marquee, the whole marquee, just for my yeah, dad. And, and Nako
1: Nolan. Nako, uh, shout man. out to Nako. Shout out to <laughs> Nako. Yeah. <laughs> they, they hooked me up, and he put me up in this place. I mean, I can't think of the name of this. The Mayo name. Hotel? No, no, oh. that's where he lives. Right. Oops, that's where he stays. You got to edit that out. That right. right. Now we know. We okay. already did it. Right, we right. know. Uh, he took me to the Mayo, yeah, because I met his wife. She's wonderful. And then, you know, he's a Bustelo. He's a freak. Yeah, I'm a, a big, big fan, too. Oh, you're a big Bustelo. I'm a big oh, fan. Man.
2: How do you survive?
1: <laughs> I'm a coffee guy, big time. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, we talked and. Uh, He's, this is wonderful What he's done with uh, Yeah With the uh, out, Outside his house And all that And that's why I'm wearing That t-shirt You know Yep As he hitting rules As he hitting rules Yeah But I would do anything For Danny he's Just i nice guy And he just did uh, The other day He goes uh, About a month ago uh, The wrestler What's his name Uh Oh, the, where's the my, Where's my cell phone? Oh, yeah, you just did a
2: podcast with... Um,
1: Chris Jericho. Yes,
2: that's it. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, yeah, he he goes, Patsy, you want to do uh, uh And I'm a big wrestling fan. Yes, yeah. I, I am kid. too, from back in the day. Uh, I go back to Raised Bruno. am on and,
2: wrestling. Uh, well, wrestling.
0: I'm not, I don't go back that far, but I, I kind of... I have to cut... Like, 1990 is like my cutoff. Like, yeah. from like, 80... Like eighty to like ninety. Macho two. Man and all those. He like him, Randy, him and him and Roddy Piper, my two uh, favorites. Yeah.
1: I love the Macho Man. Me too. And uh, and uh, mankind. Man
0: Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I
2: Crazy. always like
0: Razor Ramon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got <laughs> a Ramon. I got a got a Ramon story. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, I've told this before on the on the podcast, but who cares? It was. I'm going to say last year I go to a lot of horror conventions Yeah. and it's the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival at the Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City. Jazz booked me we at the We've
2: done hor- chiller theater a few times. I've and done
1: chiller. I was okay. just at chiller. Yeah. She, she booked me at the horrific film festival in San Antonio, Texas. Texas, oh, okay. yeah.
2: That was fun. <laughs>
1: so, so
0: we wind up staying in the... It was the first... It was like the sixth or the seventh actual convention that this guy did with the New Jersey Horror Con. He was at a different hotel. It was the first time he was at the Showboat. I wound up getting a, a hotel room in the hotel so after the first day like we became friendly with a guy named Tony Moran who is the face I know Tony Moran he's the face of Michael Myers from the original Halloween when we he, have
2: his um, yeah. I have his autograph
1: he's the greatest uh, I
2: was scared to even meet him we did chill
1: up he was sitting across from me. And I was he's freaking the best. out. And his, she was freaking out, and I went over to speak to
0: him. <laughs> this is my, All right, well, check it out. The night that we get there, I leave work. I got out of work at like 1130 that night. So we drive all the way to Atlantic City, and me and my daughter and my girlfriend, we're, we, we were never there. So it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. We're like, you know what? Let's just check out this hotel because we've never been here. Everything was all closed down. There's no convention going on. So we go downstairs, and about 50 feet away, I look, and I was like, and I had met him before. I'm like, there's Tony Moran, Right. So he had a couple of drinks, and my daughter at the time had just turned nine. But he had met me and my girlfriend. So we went out to him, Tony, what's going on? He's like, oh, what's going on? How are you? So I introduced to my daughter, oh, it's her birthday. Next thing you know, he drags me, my girlfriend, and my daughter into the casino, which my daughter should not be there. Right? <laughs> so he gives my daughter, he's, he's like, and she's like, she's never been in the casino before. She's nine. right? So he goes, he looks at me, he goes, I make a lot of money at these things. People draw me money all the time. Right, So he gives my daughter a $50 bill and goes, go pull any one of those slot machines you want. So she goes and she pulls it and she wins a couple of dollars from it and he gives it to her. It's like, happy birthday.
2: Aww. The best. The best.
0: And then later on, like the next day, we're, after the convention is all done, there's a place called Aces. It's kind of like an Applebee's type thing in the hotel. So it's, once again, it's me, my daughter, my girlfriend. And we're in there and my friend Anthony... Anthony Gutter, he's there. He's from Jersey. He's a friend of mine, so he's in there. So, the 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 principal from the show Saved by the Bell,
2: oh yeah, Mr. Belding, Belding. he's there, right? So
0: he rents out this place to turn it into a karaoke thing. No way, right? So now it's the weirdest thing. So we're hanging out. We're eating like a salad, eating whatever, having some food. My boy Anthony is there, who's not a normal person either. <laughs> then there's then Tony Moran comes in, so it's like, all right. So there's this us, and then there's Michael Myers. And then <laughs> Mr. Belding is in the front singing Billy Joel karaoke. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, this is kind of bugged out. And then who walks in? Scott Hall, Razor Ray- Ramon, walks oh, in. Did he have the toothpick? Here, here we go. yeah He's hammered, right? <laughs> He walks over, oh, and, so and I'm like, you know, I having. So I look at him like, raising Ramon. He's like, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. And he looks at. I introduce to my <laughs> girlfriend and my daughter, and he grabs us all into like a circle, like a huddle. He goes, I think that we should get a big platter of food and we all eat. It's on me, right? So we're like, well, this guy's out of his mind. Right? So I'm like, listen. <laughs> I think I gotta get a picture with you first. He starts checking his pockets. He don't have a toothpick. So my girl is like, grabs like a waitress, go in the back and find a fucking toothpick. <laughs> like right now. Right, right,
2: right now. <laughs> so
0: she goes back with a toothpick and I have a picture of me, my daughter raising Ramon with a toothpick. And I'm like, like, oh, that's the and best. And then so, so now. Uh, Tony Moran has a bunch of drinks in him. He's not sure. He doesn't know who Mr. Belding is, right? So now, so now, so now there's a girl singing like some song and Mr. Belding is standing next to it. Now, Mr. Belding is like looking at everybody in this packed place, like clapping and like going like this. So now, Tony Moran doesn't realize what's going on. So Tony Moran thinks that Mr. Belding is trying to steal this girl's thunder in the front of the room playing karaoke. So the next thing you know, Tony Moran wants to fight Mr. Belding. Oh, he's like, no. get away from her! That's her microphone! She's singing, you leave her alone! And he starts storming in front, and he's like, yo, like, take it easy, I'm this place out. Like, Tony <laughs> Moran's like... Oh, okay. He, I know, like, he, his drink, he like put his drink down, like stomped it in the front. Of him, like Michael Myers is gonna beat up Mr. Belbin. This the is crazy. Did you have the music? No. Oh, it was crazy. No. And then no. who? And then who shuffles his dirtiest? And his freaking Ron Jeremy. Oh
2: my so god. So shuffling Ron Jeremy
0: is
1: in Van Bikers. Is he?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he shuffled his way in. So I'm looking around. I'm like, all right, there's me, my innocent nine year old little girl. <laughs> My girlfriend, my friend Anthony Gutter, who's all tatted up. He's a little crazy. Drunk Michael Myers, Mr. Belding, Razor Ramon, who's Hammond, and Ron Jeremy. Can't All in the same up. place. Can't you can't make, make that, that up. up.
2: No.
1: I told that a few
2: times, it's but it's always
1: fun. Sounds like the cast of Van <laughs> It was
2: the
0: greatest. It was the greatest. Right.
1: So now this weekend, I mean, this is going to
0: air already. This is going to be aired after, this, after I go. But I'm going down to the All-Star Comic-Con. Friday night, I'm leaving. And we're going to go, and we're going to... I'm in the hotel, so I'm going to go there to support Danny Boy in the Outsiders House and
1: see Thomas Howell is going to be there. And, uh yeah, so... What's the I, update on the Outsiders House? Because when I was there, I met the greatest... The guys who were building it. Right. The, they, the, the last uh, last, do, night, last, night... They showed show me a section behind the closet yeah. where the cast autographed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's so much stuff. It's they had it so covered up. They had it covered up.
0: Of course. But I know that... I mean, I saw a couple days ago that Danny Boy posted that the city is doing their thing in Tulsa, like around that area, like building it up and making it nicer. But they're doing like the sidewalks outside. So it's delaying them a little
1: bit more. Have you been there?
0: I have not been there yet.
1: There's a section of Tulsa. Naco, shout out to Naco. Nolan. It's You, know, city like, you mall. Need to get your tickets. It's in, the, it's in the city where you stand at and you yell. And nobody can hear you outside of that circle. Some weird really? spot in Tulsa. And I really... Danny showed me... Danny and Nako uh, uh, Nolan, they just treated me so, so great. Yeah. I'm really close to those guys, but uh, it was something... I was, oh, they were driving around... They picked me up in like a Blues Brothers car. <laughs> nice, of course they did. Yeah, so of course cool. they did. It was so cool. And then meeting all the people, and then at the actual signings, and we had a nice crowd. Yeah, great artwork. And, yeah, um, I was, it was. I liked the people in Tulsa. So every time I see Forty Eight Hours, Tulsa is always on the t- right. <laughs> Forty Eight Hours. Not- oh, no, my watches really
2: so is-, is Murder yeah. and Maury. <laughs> that's
0: right. Well, if you go back, I did um like like I mentioned before we started recording. Sometimes I'll do like this is episode one hundred and nine. This is a complete episode, but I have like fifteen or sixteen, maybe eighteen. I call them just bonus mini episodes. That that was like like I said, like I I did one that's like thirty minutes with Tony Moran. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even realize after a while that I'm recording and he's starting to talk to other people and he tells this crazy story how he beat up Ace Fraley from Kiss's Bodyguard. Oh yeah, yeah, they're in an elevator because he touched Felissa Rose, the girl from Sleep, Wake, can't, like, this whole crazy story. We it's-
2: think Michael Myers is such a champion of women. He's the
0: best. <laughs> Michael Myers, he's the best. That's, that's, that's um, what's, it, what's, it, what's her name's brother? Um, the girl who played um, oh, Joni like from Happy Days. Oh yeah, she passed away. Yeah. Right, that's her brother. Wow.
1: Um, so yeah, yeah, but he. he has- I
0: met her at uh, that place we went yeah. to
1: New Jersey. Chiller Theater.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So so I've done we like. We should a- go
2: back there. I gotta make some money. Yeah, we should go back. It doesn't. I, I go every
0: year. There, there's two a year.
2: I, oh, I thought it was only in October.
0: There's two chillers, two monster manias, two New Jersey horror cons. You think I could go to those? I went to the to the one in Long Island the Kiss one last year. I did really well. well I'm sure you can. I did. Chiller, I think, would probably be the best for you because mm-hmm. Chiller has, it's not just horror stuff. They have all kinds of things,
1: you know? these ha- characters. I they always feel... They just, they just had a happy day reunion there. Being with the Warriors is like uh, being part of the Super Bowl team and coming off the bench and still getting a ring. You know? Absolutely. You You would do great there. What's his name? It was is just a happy Days Sam- reunion with Chiller. Saw so, uh, saw so the mayor of rock and roll. I can't think of his name right now, but he was in Oz, and he said, "I, I loved Oz." I mean, I used to love that show. And he said, "I would trade Oz to be, have been in the Warriors." but yeah. it never dies.
0: No, it does. gets more and more popular. I'm sure. I'm sure you can get into Chile easily. It's right there oh, yeah, in Jersey. No, we've,
2: we've we've done it. Yeah. twice we should do it
0: again. Yeah, why not? and it
2: was fun. And let's just stay there because I'm not driving back. <laughs> it's,
0: fun. it's fun. Me and my girlfriend and my daughter. We go to we go to
1: an average. Your of daughter like, must be. She must be like my daughter with me.
0: She's she's gonna be ten in September. Not bad. Like she like I was waiting for the phone call from school. She went to school on Halloween dressed like Reagan from The Exorcist. <laughs>
2: Crucifix, <laughs>
0: pea soup, <laughs> the whole deal. Did you story. say
2: pea soup?
0: Pea soup, <laughs> cuts on her face, no. like like nuts. But then she'll watch trolls on TV. Like she's completely.
2: That's so great. Yeah, she's when girly girl, and on. then
0: she's horror girl. She'll play with her Annabelle doll. It's creepy. Like when yeah. I went, to, well, no fear. It's that's awesome.
2: like my daughter. She's gonna be like that every Wednesday ish.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Because, <laughs> as a matter of fact, my daughter met. The original Wednesday Addams. Oh, yeah. Wow. And at the time, my daughter... She was married to a
1: porn star. She was married oh, to... Jesus, probably. What's his name? Uh, oh, I can't think his name. not wrong, though. Jeremy. No, he, uh, <laughs> wasn't wrong. you You yeah, know the, who else
0: is in Bikers though? She saw, uh, the, the original Wednesday Addams signed my daughter's cast oh.
1: on her leg. Oh, I love that. that. And little Gage from Pet Cemetery, the original oh, Cemetery, man. signed her cast. You know who else is in Bikers? I didn't do any scenes with it. Didn't want to be around him. The club kid killer, Michael Allen. Michael Allen. Yeah, he's in uh, yeah. there too. Oh, is he? I, 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 I remember when Bonnie they cast Master. him, I was on the subway, I was still working, and I saw him on the subway, I do not want to say Yeah. Anything, it was creepy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, with that the, the vampire has got a hell of a cast, let me tell you. Nice. Uh, A lot of them. But yeah, supported independent films because the big films ain't hiring. Right. (laughs) It's crazy. And
2: not for nothing, but they're doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing over and over again. They're making remakes. Nobody's doing anything original. Oh, here's the
1: question I'll bring to your audience. Should they or should they not redo the warriors? No,
2: absolutely not.
1: And if they do the warriors, should they cast some of the original members? Well, yeah, yeah. if they're going to do it, they need to they need to put you guys.
0: Imagine how violent it would be now. And right. you know what? They would be like CGI, like like
1: the car exploding. I saw a Taco Bell commercial that's based on the Warriors. Did you see that Taco <laughs> Bell commercial? I didn't, but now I'm probably going to see that. Yeah, they're like, oh, they got a uh, uh, gang on skates. Oh, my God. Oh my God no, I was like, the Warriors done. has had a, a big impact on American pop culture. Absolutely. When, when Shaquille O'Neal won the championship, he said, Can you dig it? Oh, right. Can you dig it? Uh I've said we're going to rain on you so many times. Oh, the other movie I haven't mentioned that I did, I liked. Uh, well, we're still rolling, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, Keep
2: uh, going, Dad. That's, go- that's why he hasn't edited. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not editing nothing. Oh, I love With it. Chop
1: Boogie. <laughs> With Chop Boogie. Uh, oh, what was it? Was um, two hours, too. I'm I played good. Illuminati. Uh, oh, what is that? Uh, Cabin in yeah. the Hood.
2: Okay. Abandoned in That All movie right. was so funny. Yeah. Another, zombie Another zombie movie, but a black zombie movie. <laughs> Cabin,
1: Cabin in the hood. Cabin yeah, in the it was hood. really good. All right, Chop Boogie. Yeah, Chop Boogie was the director, and uh, she's also uh, in charge of the hip hop film festival in uh, Harlem. She yeah, she's did amazing. Invite. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm about talked out. Um, All right. Listen, that's fine. You know,
0: yeah. Enough. It's plenty, man. Listen, we're just going. We're talking about. How long have
1: we been talking? An hour,
0: almost two hours. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. right, right now, hour 53.
2: That's wonderful.
1: See how fast it goes, though? Yeah, without, we were, without a cigarette. That's my last bad habit. I just, I've been kicking it. You off. know what? I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I know, right? you're sober now. Everything's sober now, right? Yeah, everything. Yeah. I hang With da- Danny. Yeah. Danny was telling me his stories. I couldn't believe oh, it. Oh yeah, well that,
0: well that was my whole... Jesus Christ, that was my whole point of where I went off on this whole convention <laughs> Tony Moran thing was way back when... I actually did, I told you before we recorded that I went to Philly to go see La Poconoccia yeah. with Ill Bill and Danny Boy and Slain and them and Danny you know, invited me backstage and all I wanted was like Ten minutes of his time. Oh yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to impose. I didn't want you.
1: Know, he, there's a hero show. Have been something about you that Danny liked, and if he likes you, it
0: then. was me and my girl. And and he was like, "Come on backstage." We walked all the way in this weird back part of the venue. <laughs> we pulled out two folding chairs. I did it on my phone. You hear like there's a radiator bang, and you hear music in the background, people laughing and stuff. But I'm sitting there talking to him like forty-five minutes, and he tells the whole story of how he came across the outside of his house, how he bought that, like what the condition was. And this was like a year and a half ago he was talking about it. So from now, well, from then until now, it's completely, you know, so much more progress has been made. But he's doing
1: amazing stuff out there. Shout out to Robert Snodgrass and his uh, son who are actually doing the physical work of building that place. Jesus Christ, (laughs) Yeah. And it's a small it. house but I geez. had a great time in Tulsa
0: Yeah, I'm sure And, and Nako was telling me He's like, you need to start making plans To get yourself a plane ticket Nako gave me an LA Detective little badge
1: nice. I have it I on gave it to my daughter jacket. Yeah, yeah Nako, oh, nice. I gave it to my daughter Nice
2: <laughs> Yeah, I love that that's, that's <laughs> And I got pretty the Delta cool. Bravo also Yeah,
1: Delta yeah. Bravo, man What a yeah. great group Oh, yeah, I do, I, I do all that stuff
0: I That's, post that's all when that
1: stuff. I met Steve Mona. Steve, Steve Mona Steve. was on the podcast. Shout
2: out to Steve Mona, absolutely, be <laughs>
1: <laughs> retired lieutenant from the Graffiti Squad. I know. Yeah, He gave me
2: my Marilyn Monroe canvas? And I <laughs> had my Woodry Hepburn. And my Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a
0: graffiti writer on, and then the very next one, I had Steve Mona. I'm like, yeah, I had somebody you probably used to chase around. He's like, who? am like, Tommy Rebel. He's like, oh, Tommy, great guy. He does them all. He knows them all. Great people. All those guys, I have, I have nothing but respect for all those guys.
1: I never thought I would have so many cop friends, but I do now. It's weird. Yeah. Like David Goody, I have to give a shout out to David Goody. He's been like my best friend the last couple of years. I met him at an autograph, Sam. Very cool. And he's a retired uh, New York City police uh, yeah. guy, and I love traveling with him. I'm just sad that this year, my good friend uh, Gary is super, super Boston Red Sox. Fan, <laughs> he spits on his. Boy. Yeah, he invites me out to Boston, and uh, we see a Yankee Boston game. It's been like two years in a row. And I'm going this year to a Jazz. I just uh, I got Jazz for her birthday the other day. Uh, Yankee, ninety nine official. I was trying to get a, a Rizzuto jersey, and they want like five hundred
2: dollars. Oh, like four almost four of tabs. yeah I wanted
1: a number 10 that's crazy all, yeah. the, old
2: ti- all, like all the, the old time all the, the old like time like
1: Reggie or Rizzuto or yeah.
2: Mantle Yogi Barra go they yet. were all really expensive.
0: well they're probably official authentic I mean, well you know, yeah they yeah. were authentic well,
2: yeah. MLB but we ended up getting the uh, away judge jersey yeah, so, so I'll have mean, the I, pinstripes I, and you'll have the, have the away yeah,
1: so when we go. go to Boston because so, so, I raised her a Yankee fan
2: bleed pinstripes listen I'm a huge fan
0: who are you going to be? I was driving past City Field on my way here. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: Philips. You, but it's, can't. It's you hard. can't. I
2: not <laughs> I can't. I don't. Well, I you know what's
1: rough? I'm a Jet fan. So am I.
2: Ah! 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 So you suffer together? We, yeah, but, but, but you know what's crazy?
0: We <laughs> weren't around for the Super Bowl, though. We, no. Is I wasn't even. wasn't Let me tell you my Jet story. But well, hold on one yes. second. We have, we're, we're, we're even, though, because we're miserable during football season. Yeah. But we got the glory with the baseball
1: yeah. Imagine We're being a Mets to fan too to Be suicidal I used to play a lot, a lot of no. Schoolyard football Stickball, all that Remember I might tell you In the beginning Everything was sports for me And uh, so I was playing softball I was betting 500 Blah, blah, blah It was 1967, 68 And, uh, you know, summer league And uh, they took us to Hofstra To see the Jets train it was, And that's how I became a fan Right Met Joe Namath Won the Super Bowl next year, I've suffered ever since. <laughs> of course. Does he watch every Sunday?
2: I'm like, Dad, really? Yeah. Like, when are we going to get the. No, they're going to. I pray every year. We have. My wife
1: is oh, my wife's a giant fan. Oh, yeah. I know she's been pissed off lately, but she's spoiled. But it's been since 16. It's like being yeah. a Nick fan. It's terrible. It's been a it's Nick It's so fan. bad. Oh, my goodness. It's torture. And that year. The Mets won the World Series The Yankees won the World Series The Jets won the Super Bowl yeah, the First Jets man the on the Bowl.
0: moon you had, you had Woodstock You had Charles Manson Killing people They had all
2: the good stuff I saw And Sa- the good music I saw
0: Santana For the right. first time At the Fillmore East This is all 69 yeah. And that's my what daughter's
2: name Santana Right Santana and
0: Hendrix Go that's, figure That's right And Lola the
1: dog
2: Lola, Lola
1: Chuleta. Chuleta Oh well Okay <laughs> In fact, I got to take a out. louder. we no, done? No, I'm going to take Yeah, it. I got right, to so one thing I want to say. Jimmy Ferrari. <laughs> that's me. Mad cool. We had a good... good. And day. He got a lot out of me. I wasn't in a great mood when he first got here. <laughs> but I brightened up the room.
2: Came all the way to the burbs of Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you
1: coming from? <laughs> Bay Ridge. Oh,
2: my God. No, that's a drive. That's oh, yeah? A drive. It was
1: 45 minutes with no traffic. Yeah, it took no. me two hours two and hours. 15.
2: Yeah, easy. Hendrix, easy. Eddie.
1: My grandson Hendrix. He's the... Uh, He's the uh, what do you call it? The hair uh-huh. to the orphan, the hair apparent to the orphan throne. There you
0: go. <laughs> no, that's, throne what, I, I, that's I, what's it's like, all right, grandpa all That's right, one of the grandpa. first <laughs>
1: questions I get too. Is another one? Wow, you're really short. And B, uh, was I wearing a wig?
2: No. no. You thought tell that was real. <laughs> no. no. That's that's no, 70s Afro that, style. I wear my hair super big all the time, and I'm like, that's my dad. You know what? So. She, <laughs> she's telling
1: me she wants to go out. That's. Gonna I'm do.
2: gonna take her out. You stay with Jin. All right. Awesome. Well, <laughs> finished. We're, we're gonna
1: Jimmy. sign off. Everybody, okay. follow Jazz. Let's finish off
0: together. Okay. Follow Apache on Instagram. Right. You can if you want. <laughs> Apache It's at Apache Orphans Ramos or Ramos, depending on if you're American or if you're uh Puerto Rican
2: <laughs> Right?
0: Um You're on it you're on Facebook. How about Facebook? Um that's it. That's enough. Would you like to... you have social media or anything that you want anybody to follow you? The, Apache's uh, daughter slash manager?
2: Well, if you have little babies, I, I run Jazz's Music Room. Come and bring them out. I teach them all the good music.
1: Oh, dang <laughs> <there you go. laughs> My daughter teaches music to... What's the age group?
2: Uh, zero to five. Uh,
1: okay. Yeah. Zero to five. I yeah. was like... What is that? Yes. <laughs> she has four classes. They call it, Zumbini.
2: Yeah, Jazz's Music Room Zumbini. <laughs> you
1: you want to give a number?
2: No, no. They can look it up on Facebook. There you go. <laughs> JazzsMusicRoom.com. There
1: you okay. go. And fellas, don't get excited. She's married, all right? And she's married mm-hmm. to a ninja. My son-in-law, Gregory the is, is a ninja. He's what? What's he study? What is he? He
2: is a black belt, a ninja too.
1: He's there a, you go. He's a black belt, ninja too, and who oh, studied wow. with who?
2: Gregory Duncan.
1: Gregory Duncan. Yeah. So he's, he's and legit. Ronald
2: Duncan. And a Ronald legit Duncan. ninja. Duncan, Duncan. So
1: if you know your... The y'all. last
2: ninjas inducted from Japan. They're the only American ninjas that were recognized. Yeah, well, I met, I met him
0: earlier and he came and he came when he introduced himself he gave me like this prayer motion thing. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. This guy might start to like, take out some ninja smoke and uh, explode He's, and the, he's and the most it.
2: peaceful guy in the world. Yeah. So yeah. Super nice break dude. Break your neck.
1: And he's a super <laughs> nice guy. He sells solar. You can look him up on Facebook, solar, solar Solar Greg. Oh, Solar. He's a
2: so, solar. Solar solar, yeah, okay.
1: solar. <laughs> solar. Nice. Very cool.
0: Well, follow. Well, uh, obviously, if you already listened to this, and you, then you know, but Instagram is at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. Just hit the link in the bio there, and that'll send you where okay. you can find the
1: podcast. And check out High and Tight on Amazon Prime. Yes. Please check it out. I'm very proud of that work. Also. It's 15
0: minutes of your time. It's only it's 15
1: minutes and you're going to be saying, damn, where's the rest? Right. And, uh, uh, Orchard
2: Beach will Orchard be out Beach soon. And Vampires. On Saturday,
1: uh, Yonkers, the Alamo <laughs> Draft House. Right. And uh, Vamp Bikers on Amazon Prime, uh, Eric Rivas, and ringmaster with a
0: whole bunch of people in it. And keep your eyes peeled for the Chiller Theater because you never know, you might be able to sit down and meet this guy.
2: That's right. Yeah, we're going to get him back into Chiller Theater. So come out, come out, come out cool. and play. Uh, and if, you,
1: if, you want, <laughs> if you want photos, orphans, autograph photos, since I'm an orphan and yes. not a warrior, $20. And you can hit me up on Facebook, send the self-addressed stamp envelope. That's right. And... And I'll hook you up. There
2: it is.
1: (laughs) And with all that, thank you so much for everything.
0: This was awesome.
2: Thank you, Jimmy.
0: Anytime, anytime. And with that, we're over here now.